Hey there. We are still looking for responses for our After Dark kind of uh, retrospective Anything Goes kind of episodes that land between these uh, kind of revisits. Uh, these were Patreon um, rewards for people who gave at the $10 and up level. Uh, we sent out a form that uh, you should have gotten in your email or you can find at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Uh, if you're sitting on that and waiting to uh, uh, send in your response, please send it in. Uh, we would love to see so many more um, than we have already gotten. Uh, if we don't get those, we will just open it up and make it free for all for everybody. But we want to make sure that you uh, will get that and get your priority if you paid for it. Uh, so if you have backed us uh, at the $10 level uh, since October of 2016 or so, uh, please check your email, check the uh, spam box, or go to Patreon and look for that form. That is the preferred way to get those in to us. If you didn't get that and uh, you think, hey, I, I should have that, uh, please reach out to us. We can't hunt you down. We have no way of knowing <laughs> if it got to you. Uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, let us know. We want to make sure that we get those to you. I've rambled on long enough. Uh, let us get in to the first of our revisit episodes for this victory lap farewell season. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And I'm Stuart McGowan. And you're listening to Bonfire Side Chat. The, uh, it is a, what? A uh, uh, reminiscing favorite? A, a hunter's favorite? Yeah, an, an old favorite. favorite. It's an old favorite. Old, it's an old fave. Yeah. And uh, this week we are beginning our, uh, let's say, victory lap season um, with Bloodborne Revisited. Uh, we're going back and just kind of talking about Bloodborne in general and its place in the series. And we are joined, as you heard, by Stuart. Hey, Stuart. Hey. Yeah. Um, he is one of the people who have backed us at our highest possible tier. Um, incredibly generous Patreon backer. And uh, I can tell from the short conversations we've had and from interacting with you online, because you've been a longtime listener as well, that you're a, like a really, a really solid, nice stand-up dude. So we're really happy to have you uh-huh. on. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah, Allow noted. Stand very wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, uh, um, yeah, that I that was that's always the you know I mean it's it's an illogical fear because we this has never happened to us but when we have people on who are unknown uh, quantities even if they're you know they're other people from podcasts it's always just like what if someone decided just to tank it like their whole point of them was you know they, they're like I'm just going to destroy this from the inside like you know and, and come on and start and then maybe they don't realize that it's up to it like. We don't do this live, you know. No. If uh, you know, if you decided to take it, we we just like, oh, we wouldn't put out that episode, man. Like it, it's okay. I I trust you not to do that though. <laughs> yeah. So um, now's not the time to reveal that I'm here to crush all SJWs. Then, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. We can just we, we will we will re-edit your words and stuff, and you will be like Anita Sarkeesian Jr. by the end of that that rant, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we're leaking it to to Sargon of Mesolithiles or whatever the. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube, yeah, whatever Mesopotamian uh, worshiping YouTube uh, rational that uh, 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Stuart, tell us a little bit about kind of your history with the series and specifically uh, why you chose Bloodborne um, for the revisit season. Well, I had heard about Dark Souls briefly, but I actually got into it because a professor recommended it to me when I was in university. Hmm. Uh, he had been doing a bunch of uh, essays on the interconnected world of blood of uh, not Bloodborne of Dark Souls and how it uses space and uh, interlocks with itself. Uh, I hit my wall in that pretty hard in um, Blight Town, like I think a lot of people do. But a friend helped me through it, and uh, yeah, I, I've just been kind of hooked on this series since. Uh, and Bloodborne itself really speaks to me as a game. Like I think that its themes are very, very strong. Uh, it might be really tense, but I love the gameplay, and I, I have just delved so deep into it in comparison to the others even. Yeah, yeah, you had said. Um, yeah, I mean, you played this in in the double digits. Yeah, um, I think I think this was my for uh, getting ready for this episode was my twelfth or thirteenth time going through it. So, wow. yeah. I, I spent some time with it. Yeah, you got me beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm at four on on this bad boy. I, I have played Dark Souls one a, a you know ten times uh, at least. So I, I think that's the only one that I've got into into the double digits, and then two close to that. But this one I'm I'm on four. I played four for this uh, this revisit. Um, yeah, which we, which we'll talk about. Like and and I you know I love Bloodborne. Like it, it's not it's not my my the one that spoke to me out of all the whole series quite as strongly. But like I love it, and revisiting it has, has been really fun. Yeah, looking forward to talking to it. I'm glad that we have somebody also um, who is that passionate about it and uh, and knows it that well and has gone through it that many times. Yeah, this last. Uh, run through is actually kind of a crap show on my part. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened, but I was just, uh, I was like, wow, has it been like several years since I've played this? And I was like, no, it's been like a month. <laughs> but, <laughs> what have uh, you played in the time between your last, your, your, your last attempt? A uh, few games, Hollow Knight, okay. a lot. Um, <laughs> Torment, the new Torment game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, some Overwatch here and there, but nothing that should have taken out my skills as strongly as it feels like it did yeah i had a i had a, a rough time uh, at about the midway point because during my playthrough for the victory lap i also that was when i was doing neo play as well oh, um, yeah. and guess what your muscle memory will betray you going both directions <laughs> um so not only was i trying to get back to bloodborne from dark souls 3 but also dealing with neo confusion I was trying to yeah. go back through all of, all of the games in case I ended up on a different episode, and that had happened to me for Dark Souls too because I went to that and I am uh, no wad of wet paper in that thing. I just <laughs> I'm terrible. Yeah, at it. yeah. There, there's so a lot. Bad. There's a lot more avatar skill in uh, Dark Souls too. Yeah, like it's a lot like that. Um, the adaptability that adaptability stat means you know your character starts out worse regardless of how good the player is. Oh, yeah. in that game and, and you can really feel it and that's i think that that aspect is at its least in bloodborne right and that was um, also my first time going into scholar of the first sin so oh, yeah yeah trying to experience it and it, even the things i did remember were all wrong so <laughs> yeah yeah your memories will will absolutely betray you yeah with, with that uh which sounds more serious than it is it's actually <laughs> it sounds in line with the themes of that game yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's actually good. I I also ran into um, a real rough part at the middle, um, and it's because I think the middle of this game has a big. It gets a lot harder. Yeah. Um, which we'll talk about when we when we get into it. 
um, yeah. at, least, at least for me. So we're, we're going to kind of, for people who are listening, this is the general format that the entire uh, victory lap season is going to take. Um, we're going to kind of talk about what, what this entry is, like what makes it uh, unique in, uh, in the series um, kind of give you the real high level, you know, everyone listening to this probably is familiar with, with Bloodborne to some degree. So we're going to give you a real high level kind of overview um, and then kind of just talk about, you know, what we think, uh, what we think works, what the kind of philosophy was it, what didn't work kind of, and then do some kind of uh, uh, what Cole calls souls allegories, which is um, like kind of a portmanteau of souls and categories. No, it's um, not. I, like I, I, yeah. I literally just typed that out because I didn't want to just write the categories. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's I was trying to I mean, I good on you because I was trying to think of something. Like I was trying to think of a stronger portmanteau and I couldn't. Yeah. Um, and it just, it's like, cause it, it's, it's, it seems like it should make work, make sense. Cause categories that also begins with an S, but yep. it just it somehow doesn't, doesn't work. Um, but our souls of grace, um, <laughs> look for that on a t-shirt in 2017, yes. the, um, is, uh, is us doing kind of best and worst, um, you know, things that are super great. Like these could be moments, areas, bosses, uh, music, things like that. And then things that are kind of bummers. That's what it is. It's not, we're not going to go through every area. We're not going to, you know, do it's not going to be a fast forwarded version of yep. the season. We, we are taking a very high level view of this. So, so Bloodborne, uh, for people, you know, just kind of base uh, demographics, was released on March in March of 2015 for the PS4 only. Um, and even though this was exclusive, it was hugely successful. Yeah, it was like um, the most successful or the best-selling new IP of that year, I believe. Mm. Um, which is not as prestigious as you would think, because there was almost no no new IP in 2015. <laughs> yeah, so, I was trying to think of one to you know to make a joke, even <laughs> just yeah. like ah. Oh. We were getting born. a lot of a lot of threes that year, weren't we? Yeah, I, I, I believe so. I just so here's the thing: time is meaningless. 2015 yep. feels like it was just yesterday. Like I can't even believe that this game is two years old. But here we are. Mm. Yeah, more than two years yeah. old. It is very super. It's super weird. Um, yeah, and and this is for remains. Uh, I think a really good reason to own a PS4. Oh yeah. Um, Definitely. In kind of a. You know, almost post-exclusive society, like where everything, you know, everything, almost everything's cross-platform. Uh, system wars are tedious. You know, <laughs> everyone should own at least a, you know, uh, one of the, you know, either an Xbox, a, a PlayStation, a computer. It doesn't really matter which one, and mm-hmm. whatever Nintendo has, because that's where you'll actually get weird exclusives. Yeah. Um, but which one you choose only matters a little bit. But I think this is a really strong push for PS4 because, as far as exclusive exclusives go, like this might be this and Demon Souls, like. Other than Nintendo aside, like these might be the strongest exclusive titles that I can think of. Yeah. This is why I bought a PS4. Same. Yeah, me too. Yeah. You know, I mean, and then like there are bonuses. It's like, oh, I got to play Journey. Like there are things that like sure. you get to do on top of it. But like, man, a good reason to own a PS4. I think like, my PS4 are... came bundled with Destiny and I didn't touch it for like a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've even heard like even people who really like Destiny say that it only really got good to the expansion. Right. Right. Oh, okay. Recall the um, but it, it's you know it's, it's no Bloodborne. 
you know, know. So, so it's, you know, if you're listening to this and you're trying to decide, <laughs> yes, or if, if Bloodborne's very good. If you're still on the fence, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it actually kind of makes me a little bit sad that both uh, this and Demon Souls will necessarily have the smaller audience compared to the rest of the series as a whole. You know, like mainline Dark Souls series are across pretty much every platform now, but these are going to be tucked away and there are going to people. We still hear from them saying, hey, I, I never got to Bloodborne because I just don't have the hardware. I didn't. Yeah. I couldn't invest the, you know, the 200, 300, 400 dollars to, to to get into that. And like that is a shame. And I'm probably going to make a similar point in the Demon Souls episode because that's even further lost to time. Like who well, can plug in a PS3? But it, it, it's still in effect here. Here's the thing is the, the Demon Souls version, the effect is lesser because we're probably, you know, a year and a half or two years out from like pretty good PS3 emulation. Mm. Like there already are emulators for it. It's just they run at like four frames per second. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's, it's you know, once you get the actual problem of doing it solved, like it will get faster and better. Mm -hmm. So eventually, you know, PCs will be able to emulate PS3s and everyone who has a has a decent PC will be able to play, which isn't, you know, a huge slice either. But it's another piece of the pie, you know. Right. Right. So eventually, once these things become retro, they'll become democratized. Yeah, yeah. Um, which will be really good. But I mean, obviously, like, it would be, it will never happen, but it'd be very cool if this was available. Yeah. You know, kind of cross platform. Yeah, because this was published by Sony. Like, that is a different thing. This is not a Namco joint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Demon's Souls is um, exclusive for a very similar uh, reason as well, because it was published by Atlas, but also kind of co-published by Sony. So Sony, they saw the value in this series and in locking it down, at least to a certain extent. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So in this game, uh, just again, for anybody who, like the very base level, and because, you know, as you mentioned, that's a good point, Cole, like there are people who just literally haven't played it. Mm hmm. You know, um, so this is your you're a hunter. Um, you have the sickness that is uh, kind of a mystery to you. And you arrive in this nightmare of a city called Yarnum during what's known as the nightly hunt or as the hunt uh, seeking out something called pale blood. Yeah. And uh, there's not a lot of context for these things when you start out. But that's part of the charm. Yeah. Um, you start out with uh, without knowing a full picture of what's going on. Yeah. And you're kind of dumped in there because I would say more so than other entries in the series. Um, Bloodborne is a mystery. And like a lot of the delight that I had was in those moments of reveal was in actually figuring out what was at the, what was at the core of this. Yeah. And it's a mystery on multiple levels because it's a mystery down to the specifics of finding out what those things are. And then there is the greater tonal reveal that happens about partway through the game, mm -hmm. which is when things go from, you know, spooky haunted house werewolves to <laughs> absolute, you know, cosmic monstrosity, which is one of the best things the series has ever done. Yep. Like yeah, I, I have, don't remember um, that being in any of the previews or anything, right? They hit it pretty well. Yeah, it was a big surprise and a super good one. Yeah. <laughs> when I've gone back and looked at trailers, I didn't. I haven't gone back and looked at a trailer specifically looking for like may, maybe they show a Breedus for a second or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't remember seeing anything about it or hearing anything about it, um, even down to the code name, which was you know Beast Souls or mm -hmm. uh, uh, Beast Beast Blood Beast. Was it Beast Soul Project Beast? I think it was Project Beast Souls. Yeah, Project Beast. Yeah. yeah. Um, Beast Souls was the, the, the fun, I think it was Project Beast. Yeah. Um, but even oh, right. that was not, uh, you know, it wasn't Project Tentacle or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, and, and I have, and we'll get into it. Like I have problems with what kind of the gameplay does around that point, mm -hmm. but this game does, um, this like a really amazing crossfade where like, as it gets kind of dips into some things, I find a little bit like lesser than as far as like enemy design or level design the plot just like kicks into overdrive <laughs> and just gets so compelling and good and just full of weird 
mysteries mm-hmm. that like it really draws you draws you forward yeah um it's yeah. it's like they had a finite point of competence or a, a finite amount of competence that they had to reallocate <laughs> in terms of yeah, designer almost. yeah almost yeah. i mean it's it's still a, it's still a fun game throughout but there definitely are problems that are introduced around the time you know the the the, the bolts are cutting cutting loose right and even those problems, like even if it just like, oh, it just kind of becomes less exceptional. Part of that is like to frame that in a more positive sense. Yeah. It's more that the beginning of it is so phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, play wise, like level design wise and play wise, the first half of the game, even though in the season we kind of complained about getting sick of just like seeing the same kind of palettes out like, oh, you're just in parts of the city. Mm-hmm. Like that part, that section of the game uh, kind of even just wireframe level design wise is a triumph. Yeah. Like Yarnum is so good. <laughs> yep. uh, it is. It is so, so good. And then, like, you compare it to later areas, and it's like those later areas, when I look back on them fondly, it's because of the thematic things or the plot reveals yeah. or some of the visual design stuff. It's not that kind of wireframe. It's not that sense of place, things yeah. like that. Like, uh, my friend Will, uh, this I'm cribbing a point from him, but he's correct, um, and, you know, Bonfireside Chat alum, um, is that uh, this is the only time From has ever made a place like a city feel like a city. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like Yarnum feels like a place where people live and could have lived and do live. And like die. everyone's locked up, they don't show over they and die. die. <laughs> die. Yeah. They die a lot. People just die. Yeah. Like, and, and aren't buried. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but it, but it has that sense of place that like, I feel like has only ever been really approached in like, uh, like the, the, you know, that the hovels in Valley of Defilement or something like that, Yeah, yeah. you know, where this looks like a place people used. And that's really important to me, Yeah, you know, like having something seem like, uh, uh seem, seem, seem that way, seem real. Yeah. Central Yarnum is a triumph. Um, even in looking at the broader scope of the series, I think that's about as good um, as some of the area design gets um, in the in, in the series. Yeah, yeah. Um, something about that reveal, you know, since we're talking about this and going back through and playing it. So, the majority of the time that I've spent with the game was actually before you know a, a number of the patches came out. Right, like in my head, the canonical version of this of this game is with the long load times that just showed the Bloodborne logo with the memory leak, right? And so Mm. anything that contradicts that ends up sticking out like a sore thumb. Um, When they replaced the loading screen, which was just the Bloodborne logo, with a more Souls-like kind of device, which was showing you item descriptions, um, that I think that that was generally considered to be a pretty good thing because, hey, that's that's a way to make death sting less is, hey, you get another bit of uh, lore, right? However, mm. um, there was no kind of rationing of those item descriptions <laughs> based on that split of, hey, this is a spooky werewolf game and, oh, this is Lovecraft as fuck. Yeah. So, so like, somebody who goes and plays this now will get some kind of spoiler through those loading screens about the old ones, about the, uh, you know, the shells and the, and, the, and the kind of alien presence that you see throughout the back half of this game. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And and that's um the the fact that the game is different out of the box um than it, you know, than it was now when you're revisiting it is actually going to be true for uh Dark Souls 2 very much so. Yes. Um and even Dark Souls to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is that there there's the version we played uh the first time around just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You know, and it's true of Dark Souls 3 as well. And and we talk about this a lot on the network like that is a strength to games that you can update these things. And I don't, I don't miss those like 45 second minute long load times. Oh God, no. (laughs) You know, the, the first time through Bloodborne, that was my primary motivator not to die. Like I was playing this game less risk, you know, less more risk averse than I ordinarily would. 
Mm-hmm. Like getting jettisoning that one of my favorite things about souls is that nothing to lose feeling that makes you, you know, do stupid things and make corpse runs and make runs for items and stuff like that. I wasn't doing that because it was too tedious to sit through the loading screens. Yeah. You uh, know? Which sucks in a game whose mechanics, at least at the start, are designed to encourage you to take more risks. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, like, exactly. I didn't want to parry. I didn't want to do things like that because it's meant dying and it meant, you know, waking back, you know, like another, like a minute of just kind of downtime. Yeah. You know, and then and running back to that place. farming for some blood files there, too. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. Like, we'll, yeah. <laughs> one of the things about this game, too, and this is something, you know, the, the Gary hates Bloodborne thing that popped up during this the season. Where it's like, guys, <laughs> yeah, no, I hate course. Dark Souls 3. What do you do? Like, <laughs> I, like, I don't hate Bloodborne. And even that, but... <laughs> Allison dug up, a, dug up a quote from the uh, from the preview episode yeah. where we like oh, we, we did. We did the first run through where you about Dark Souls 3, Gary said, hey, this is fun. I like this game. It's going to be a fun season. <laughs> Yeah, well, pencils have erasers. Like, it, <laughs> yeah, it's a, I know. I'm not like, holding that against yeah, you. It's just, yeah. yeah, like things change and they evolve. I just thought I, that I was really funny. It, it was, it was, it was funny. I feel, I feel, uh, you know, I, I feel fine about it. Actually, yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel good about that whole season. But like, <laughs> one of one of the um, the things I think that that you know that meme or that reaction came to is that when we were recording this, um, I feel like at least then and this has lessened a little bit but there was a real this game had a reputation like a sterling reputation mm-hmm. and i was worried that like if no one is going to pay attention to or examine any of the flaws in this they're not going to get better right you know and some of that stuff happened with dark souls 3 like there are things i think that are flaws in like the dlc of dark souls 3 specifically but in parts of dark souls 3 that have their origins in bloodborne mm-hmm. um you know like playing through it again and we'll, we'll talk about this but like going through um uh, Yarhagul, uh, it felt the same as going through the Ring City. Yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm not even supposed to look at anything, am I? Like, I, I have to. <laughs> this is so hostile and so dense with encounters, uh, you know, and and so just like overwhelming that like I, you just have to run through it and just learn the way to run through it. Um, and I, you know, I was, I was bummed out by that, and, and that's something that this kind of started here. Um, and I was I was very worried about like is, if, if this is going to happen like no one's going to like pay attention to these ways this game could be better like it's not going to get better mm-hmm. with uh, you know subsequent entries and that kind of happened so like in looking back on it like kind of look I, I kind of spotless into some old episode that we did from the season and revisiting it I think that's where kind of that that animosity came from mm. that's what I was reacting to is just like no that like this is actually like this blood vial thing is a real problem. Like, it's not just kind of like, oh, it's fine. You know, the, the game is so good in spite of it. It's like the game is really, really good in spite of it. Everyone in the world should play Bloodborne. I love Bloodborne. <laughs> this blood vial thing is really bad, though. Yeah. And like it needs to be addressed. Like it, it would need to be fixed. And that, that doesn't apply to Dark Souls 3. But some of the encounter design stuff does, I think. Yeah. You know? I think that encounter design stuff was definitely there in the earlier Dark Souls games and Demon's Souls too, but there there tended to be just more stuff you could do instead of that and then come back to it later. Yeah. Mm. Whereas something like Yara Ghoul, like, you gotta do it. You gotta <laughs> you gotta run down this hell staircase with a big demon over top of it. So Yeah, there's definitely like I think that's a factor where there's linearity. And but I also think like so Yarhagul is them doing the same thing they've been doing since Demon Souls, which is the like the summoner. Uh, character yeah, like enemies right. will respawn until and compare uh that to like four two or compare that to the catacombs which is the equivalent of those games they're just much less dense mm-hmm. you know um yahoo they're just there are more of them they're better hidden the the bell ringers 
Um, they have a wider area of effect for things they respawn um, than they do. So I think that I think that's true that there there is that linearity plays into it. But I also think that they are ramped up a little bit. Yeah. Um, there and like the nice thing about Bloodborne, you're very agile, so you can get around this stuff. But then that comes down to a little bit of a preference where like I just I, I want to stop and take my time because that's how I play these games, you know. Which and is you don't me. have you don't have those same defensive options that you would in a Dark Souls game for getting through a huge crowd of enemies. No, either there's no there's no tanking hits. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and just the fact that you can't you can't tank and you, you have no poise. So if uh, you know you get down to the street level, which is just full of snipers. Yeah. Like every one of those, uh, you know, those corpse carts are, are a ranged and melee attacker. I'm um, getting hit once. It's very easy to get hit once while somebody else is, you know, that stops you from dodging. Somebody's right next to you. Mm-hmm. They hit yeah. you. It's very easy for those things to add up very quickly um, in a way that just feels very like hostile that I don't I don't particularly care for. And that they double down on, you know, in the in the in the DLC specifically, of Dark Souls 3. There's not very much of that. And there's a little yeah. bit of it in um, Arch Dragon Peak. Um, yeah. but there's, you know, there's not as much of it in the actual main, main game. Yeah. yeah. But so, so I, there's a real tangent that went on uh, talking <laughs> about areas and stuff, but it, it, I still think it counts as a generality. It, 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 it certainly mm-hmm. does. Um, because yeah. you know, when we're trying to place this in the, you know, the overall evolution of the series, you know, this was developed alongside dark souls too, but, uh, you know, it does have, you know, things that are direct antecedents to what we would see in, in, in dark souls three itself, you know, like, when we when we look at the changes here, this does stand out, and I think this stands out enough that people try to treat it like it's its own separate series. But no, like there are trends that can point directly to what happened with the series in general. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's so that's visually even obvious. Like nice. when you play Dark Souls three, and there are things that just feel like they're straight lifted from this. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. Do you have anything? That I feel like um, I hopefully I don't. Stuart, never feel like you can't interrupt us or anything like that. Please. Me and Cole get into like a rhythm, and then we just kind of talk sometimes. So it's, know, please, it's very please similar to listening to the podcast. So it's a little <laughs> <laughs> trying to get in on that is a little yeah. weird. Anyway, yeah. it's fine. I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, interrupt the crap. Yeah, yeah. Do it. Yeah, definitely, definitely do because I, I I don't want to. You know, I definitely don't want to talk over anybody. I apologize. I just get so passionate, guys. I just, <laughs> like, ah. it's it's Gary, calm down, Gary. Don't hurt him. Okay? I, I can't. <laughs> Um, yeah. We're, we I are here it. to hear you be the Alex Jones of. Amnesia chili. Amnesia chili on all the dark descent. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so, so I'll throw that to you, um, Stuart, uh, on either of those points about the game changing over the course of its, uh, you know, like since its release as they as they try to get it up and stable or about the, you know, where it ended up being in the broader sense of the series. Do you have anything to observe about about either of those kind of uh, kind of points? My first experience with the game was a little weird. I, you know, uh, I bought it digitally. And, you know, I was waiting for it to download and it did that download thing where it's like, oh, the game is playable now, but it was really only playable up to the gas coin fight. Oh, no. Which I completed mm. pretty quickly yeah. overall. And then the game was like, it'll be another 20 hours before this finishes downloading. Uh. It's like, I was like, oh, I took time off work for this. <laughs> so that was a bit of a pain. But um, the the experience I had with it the first time, like I did not know about the memory leak for a very long time. So I had thought that some things were very different. I know Gary talked about his experience fighting Abridus the first time, mm-hmm. thinking about it like this idiot god, but 
Uh, I had that same kind of thing for Martyr Logarius. Yeah, lo- that happened for me with Logarius. It didn't. Uh, it wasn't so much with Abridus, but like Logarius was a was a breeze. Um, and a lot of people cited him as a problem later on. When we talk about this memory leak, it was something that was present, I think, in the first couple of months after the game's retail release, which was, you know, something about the way the game was programmed caused it to, I think, if you just left the application running. So if you were like me and you're playing it and it's time to go to sleep, so you just um, quit out of the game, but you just stay at the title and put the PlayStation 4 to sleep, come back to it. You've never actually like cleared anything on the system itself somebody who, know, who knows more about this is probably screaming at me and i'm, I'm sorry um but um before they patch this up um leaving the game on in quotes for a very long time would actually cause um enemy behavior to get a little bit crazy so um this oftentimes resulted in boss fights becoming much easier than they were designed to be. So the Abritus idiot god thing, like Abritus, Abritus did not, <laughs> you know, attack as much as she ought to have. Um, I think uh, for Logarius, it ended up being like you could just um, run up to him and parry him and he was done. A bunch of stuff like that. So that was something where my first playthrough, and I think a lot of people's first playthrough, was markedly easier than um, any other subsequent ones after they went in and patched that up. When yeah. I fought Logarius, he he just never ever used his magic and never charged up. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just like, oh, this guy, like, sure, he like jumps around with his scythe and crap, but whatever, I can I can handle this guy. Who and then a friend it? of mine who played it was like, I'm having so much trouble with Logarius. I'm like, why? He's like all these like skulls and everything. <laughs> the hell are you talking about? <laughs> what skulls? Yeah. So. The the way that articulates with Abritus is she just does her headbutt. Yeah. And it, it like it 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 supported what I wanted so so much or my initial read of her just being kind of being this idiot god because like she's literally just banging her head into the ground <laughs> and it did tons of damage. It was just like really pretty easy to avoid and it was super cool. Mm-hmm. Like I actually I really, loved it. And I really then like, like that read of yeah. Abritus. Yeah. Like I, I like that idea for her a lot. Me too. Like I, I like the I I think it's a really cool cool thing. And then you know it's it's not you know, that's not what, what it actually is, but I, I think that's a really cool thing. And that kind of plays into a larger, um, but uh, Matthew Matosas, who is a YouTube critic I like, did a, uh, a video they just released today where he kind of compares um, later Souls games to Demon Souls. And one of the things he talks about when he talks about Bloodborne is how much he likes the Mikolash fight because it feels like an intentional anticlimax in a way that the games used to do more of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he brings up, obviously, Made in Astraea. But I would mm-hmm. say, you know, Mikolash is a good example of that as well. And my version of a Britus that I only got to fight once would yeah. be a version of that as well, you know. And that's something I value. Yeah. Like, I really like those kind of like, this is a gimmick. This is, you know, either like, it's not even a puzzle like the Dragon God. This is just an idea yeah. that the, you're presented with rather than a challenge to overcome. Right. This is this is boss yeah. as communication. Yes. You know, and that's why, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I love uh, Mikolash so much. Uh, which we'll get to. Yeah, that, that is something that I felt like the series kind of moved away from a bit. Like that that was definitely there in Demon Souls and sort of there in uh, Dark Souls. But like Bloodborne is just so hard sometimes. <laughs> like it's just yeah. so unrelenting. And especially with like, which I'm sure we'll get to the orphan of cost. That of thing course. is yeah. a nightmare. And and uh, Dark Souls 3 adding that, especially in the DLC of Dark Souls 3 having some of those boss fights just be like 
okay, you've gotten the idea across, but would you like to experience it two more times, but harder? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That kind yeah. of sustained perfection, which we, we talk about a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Bloodborne is such a, a fast paced game and every area kind of builds on the previous one on a macro level. The, like their idea of a pacing spacer is just to give you a shorter area. <laughs> like you know you, yeah. you you get to bergenworth after the uh the forbidden woods right and like that is a bit of a breather but it also introduces a some new mechanics with um you know those frenzy flies or whatever and then also <laughs> the toughest uh enemy hunter you're ever going to encounter uh toughest single enemy hunter yeah like that is their idea whereas before in the series they did have um these things built in you had your butterflies moonlight and your storm kings and stuff yeah you had downtime yeah. mechanically a little bit more than you do in this game yeah um and and those shorter areas it, it, they do help the pacing quite a bit yeah so like bergenworth or going into the lecture hall something like that does feel different and and changes that i think that it could have used just a little bit more of that you know um and i think that you're right it does it, it does give the plot this kind of sense of continuously speeding up mm -hmm. You know, because like unlike a lot of other games in the series, this does have a sense of urgency to it. Like time passes. Yeah. In this game, like you you get to see the world getting worse and getting more apocalyptic as you go, and they do that a little bit in Dark Souls Three. But here it's much more gradual, and you see it much earlier. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So it does make you uh, feel much more kind of harried, and that's cool. Uh, however, I do think like the the levels kind of suffered a little bit from it. Like in going back on revisiting it, some of the back half stuff does feel a little fatiguing because I want that that downtime more considered, yeah. you know, play every from time to time. Yeah. You know, not all the time. Every <laughs> once in a while. That, that, that advancing of the moon and kind of the uh, as you get closer to the pale blood moon, um, you know, being out in full and causing all of the uh, what the inside effects and stuff like that. Like, I think that is a very good idea. It's the most successful on your revisit to the, to the cathedral ward. Like, I think oh, that, yeah. that, like, that is yeah. the apotheosis of it. But that is, like, a one-two punch of then you go to Yahar Ghul again. And you get back to those problems that we that we gave before. You know, where it is, you know, like, you, you've been there before. You had the opportunity to open up a shortcut. Maybe you could get the Tomatris. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but there's so much more of it that is not, you know, that you can't really obviate by preparation. You know, That moment could have really used a, like, entry to Andor Londo kind of approach where... Yeah. You're taking some time. There's not a lot of enemies around you, and you're just sort of taking in the scenery and the change to the world. Yeah, That's absolutely. Sort of, yeah. yeah, and, and I like will say it, it's pretty badass because you come into Yahar Ghul um, the second time via a different entrance, right? Like that is an amazing moment when this place that you had been before, where you had no idea where it was, like you know, what, like what is the relationship? You only ever warped in and warped out. Um, when you came to it and realized that this is just a sealed off section of the city, I think that's an amazing piece of world building. Um, yeah. but you know, you're absolutely right, Stuart, that that did need, uh, something to let you get acclimated like that, that moment and that area could have landed, um, a lot harder if they just gave it some room to breathe, if they decanted it. It's, it's really <laughs> yeah. even like right at the doorway to that place because you, you appear on that little, uh, platform. And you want to be like, oh, here's this neat city, but there's an amygdala right there who's going to like <laughs> take you, yeah. and crush you in his hand, to just be like, and, ha ha. And and the, the you know hunters start coming up from the floor, or the uh, the townspeople mm -hmm. start bubbling mm -hmm. up from the floor, and those aren't people you could then like, okay, these are easy, I'm going to kill them and then drink in the city mm -hmm. because they come back, right? Yeah, uh, you know, at that point, so like 
it definitely needed that. I think that uh, just to underline a point you made, Cole, because I think it's a really good one, is that the um, this is them using that. This is one of the the times. It's I, I'm not going to say it's the only time because uh, you know that's that's an absolute and absolutes are scary mm-hmm. on podcasts where uh, people on Twitter throw every absolute <laughs> statement you ever make back in your face for weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but years. The, um, years. 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 <laughs> like uh, <laughs> it feels like one of the only times they've narratively used that teleportation mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that you can only teleport there, that teleportation thing is totally a gameplay uh, consideration. But here they're using it to do something cool as opposed to it being a detraction, which it usually is. Yeah, yeah. You know, people usually, you know, people complain about the entries post Dark Souls 1 because they don't have that feeling of an interconnected world. And it's a good complaint, mm-hmm. you know, because they because they don't have that. But here is actually an advantage. Like getting teleported to a place and finding out it's right under your nose is huge, is like really, really strong. No. And can only work with a system where you have that teleportation in place from the beginning. Yeah. The the closest I've ever felt to this was going back to the asylum in mm-hmm. uh, in Dark Souls One. Yeah. yeah. And th- this is not even, you know, even just getting taken there also plays with the teleportation, you know, yeah, or the, yeah. the kind of movement thing. Like even just getting kidnapped mm-hmm. in, you know, where I was responsible for getting everywhere, <laughs> you know, I was gonna get before that is also yeah. a really, really great feeling. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, you, we talked about speed kind of on the macro level. Let's zoom in a little bit and talk about, uh, combat and kind of generalities and how this is different and, and where that succeeds and fails and how it feels. Yeah. Um, so, uh, is this, so uh, Stuart, is this a thing? Because most people I know for whom Bloodborne is their favorite, uh, Souls game, this is usually their, their, you know, their central, their keystone to it. Is that how it is, is for you as well? Or are there other elements that kind of make this your, your alpha? The combat is really uh, beautiful. I, I like how it turns into kind of a fluid dance all the time. But this is also sort of my uh, standard Souls character is like one who generally isn't using a shield, is dodging around and um, parrying enemies as often as possible. So it just kind of fit really well into my style. Whereas I know some friends who favor more bulky, tanky approaches got really, really screwed by this game in the beginning because <laughs> they just... They just had no way to make progress in it because all of their tricks were uh, useless. Mm. And I mean, the combat is nice. I never really delved deep into the regain system. You know, trying to be that frantic puts me too on edge and makes me too tense. But the, uh, but yeah, I, I really, really got into the combat of it, which, you know, I never did any of the PvP because the PvP is nonsense <laughs> and and awful. But yeah. uh, but that seems like it would be just a nightmare of people dodging and healing and dodging and healing and dodging and healing <laughs> forever. So, yeah, it, it definitely happens when I hear people complain about the PvP. That's a bit, you know, you heal so quickly and everyone starts with yeah. so many vials that it's just like it goes on forever. Yeah. Um, one thing we should probably mention is that we're not going to talk about the PvP in general a lot. Right, right. Uh, in this in this revisit thing, just because Cole and I don't know it very much. Right. So if if uh, people we have as guests who spend more time with it, um, definitely they can you know they can speak to it more. But I didn't go back and play any PvP in my revisits because that's just not an important part of the series to me. No, no. I have no. done a bit here and there, and it has been just like dodge, 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 get caught on scenery, die kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, because for some reason, the main place I ever got invaded was in the Nightmare Frontier, which is just oh yeah the worst. <laughs> So yep, that that that'd do it. That's a whole area that is designed around being invaded. That also uh, is the most inconvenient place to move around. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. it's it's dreadful. Um, <laughs> but also, I think that there's a certain extent to which 
Bloodborne is kind of helped by not having a great PvP scene because I'm going to get so many fewer people who are going to do whatever the in-game equivalent of teabagging is <laughs> or something or griefing yeah. me in some fashion or another. Yeah. Or, or even just invading. Yeah. Like it just comes up less. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's really which, yeah, which which is to its strength because it is a game that I think is it doesn't always let you do this as we were talking about, but I think it's stronger when you can kind of drink in the atmosphere and think about it as you move through. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it's a stronger solo experience than a lot of the other games end up being. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because this this personal weird story happening is <laughs> is a stronger thing than you know the people who come in and give me a well, what is it, and then proceed to murder <laughs> yeah. me. Right. Yeah, who 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 respect for misery. Yeah. Yes. You know, like you know, the 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 people who are just like I have made a build that is just meant to, you know, fuck over people. Yeah. You know, and, and, even, and like there's yeah. Even on that there isn't really the variety available in Bloodborne to do that. Like there are some tricks you can play but they're pretty minor in comparison to a lot of things in in Dark Souls 2 or 3 which seem like intentionally there to piss you off. Yeah, there's no scraping spear equivalent. Yeah. Yeah, or acid spray or the like yeah yeah and and there's not even like there aren't so many so much in the way of like kind of an optimal build in it there's there's like it's not like um the power curve is real flat yeah uh yeah. in bloodborne and like the weapons all feel very different but the distinctions are so 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 subtle as mm-hmm. to like it's it's like a million you know if, if you look at a pie chart you have a pretty narrow slice of pie and within that that's divided you know, a hundred times, you know, yeah. but there's, there's a whole section of the pie you're not getting. So like, yes, there's a wide variety of weapons. Yes. They are very, you know, they feel different, but they're very subtly, you know, they're subtle distinctions that are built for this kind of mastery, this character action mm-hmm. kind of fighting game approach where, you know, every move, yeah. you know, that your weapon makes, you know, the, the length, like the back of your hand, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. then there are huge swaths of the pie that just aren't touched. So, it makes that's part of the reason why I think PvP is so limp in this game is because like mm-hmm. there's just not that much variety to it. Yeah. Like any yeah. character you fight is going to be fairly similar to any other character you fight because you're all in that like micro slices of that that healthy slice of, of pie, you know? Because mm-hmm. you all will be able to dodge quickly and heal quickly and parry each other, yep. and there's no real difference there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you'll all be able to do those things. You have either a, a heavy weapon or a slow weapon. You have different amounts of spread mm-hmm. on them, but they all have, you know, roughly the same range of like your character, you know, at maximum, like your character kind of laying down in front yeah. of themselves, you know, like six feet in front of you is the most, if you have like the, uh, the threaded cane or something like that, like you're, you know, a high range weapon, but it's not going to be, the distinctions are just going to be very subtle. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's one of the things that, um, you know, coupled with that, that speed that you have, uh, makes the the main game like pretty fun, but ultimately really samey to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it, I go through it, like I, I think I don't want to move off the the kind of combat speed too quickly because it is really important. Yeah. That kind of character action, that dodge, and that's how like I play these games lots of different ways, and I I usually will play a shieldless character. So like, it wasn't weird to go go to this. Um, I I too like did not get real into regain, um, partly because mm-hmm. when I started playing, I was so risk averse because. You know, I didn't want to die because I didn't want to watch loading screens. And I kind of got into that habit. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the fact that there's just like a whole section of kind of play experiences that are not available to you is a big bummer. And yeah. I know a lot of people it didn't bother, but it kind of uh, it permeated like most aspects of the game for me. Yeah. Well, what you get on the other side of that or on the back of that um, 
is an experience that is much much more tuned right um mm-hmm. and all of the differences are going to are going to exist on the margin right like i think that in general if you are specking for an item that you that you want there's no real way to like trap yourself into a corner and fuck you and there's no meta that you have to observe if you either a want to participate in that or want to hold your own against people who are invading so in a lot of ways they are kind of like guiding you down those rails and like i think it's satisfying for a moment to moment but like the greater build variety does give the game much more replay value as we've seen with dark souls one and two and two, uh, you know, an extent, uh, three as well. You just, uh, it's, it's, it's been a big trade off that we've noticed. And I might mm-hmm. hate the, tro- I might hate the trolls in PVP, but there is a lot of good, uh, cooperation and PVP stuff that does exist and has come from that, uh, diverse character build yeah. structure. Yeah. Like my, yeah. I, my most recent in Dark Souls 3 was like a, a character who was specced to be your friend but invaded you as a bad guy. And that was <laughs> and that was fun and challenging trying to get people to trust me, especially in uh, the Ring City where <laughs> they did not want to. Yep. Yeah. And even that it allowed for it, that's like another kind of omission because that's part of a covenant and the covenant system in, in Bloodborne is underdeveloped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You um, know. There's nothing as wildly kind of creative as the Purple Phantoms in Dark Souls 3. Oh, right, no. right. The pur- Purple Phantoms yeah. kind of can't be beat in my mind. I think that was well, that, that was like, a wonderful idea. I think they really can be. I mean, like, I, uh, no, I, I think mean, they, Grey they, Lording they, is a cooler idea. Like, there's, yeah, there's definitely yeah. cooler ideas, I mean, but in terms of, like, implementation form. or, like, re- like, realization. Yeah. 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 Um, you both mentioned, like, not pursuing the regain system. Like, I know I understand that there are... There are blood gems and there are runes that you can that you can use to kind of like really really gain that system. I think that that um, I think that actually regaining your health by attacking enemies, you know, before the recharge period is gone, does contribute to the game feeling a lot faster. And like a lot of the ways that it falls down later on are when the enemies or the situations they put you in subvert that system and make you unable to you know make those recoveries. Like, absolutely. Like when I say didn't pursue it, I mean, it wasn't like my main focus. Like I definitely did it. Yeah. You know, but I think that it's two things. So I think that you're right. Like later in the game, they start introducing, uh, you know, longer combos, damn, you know, attacks that do more damage, more mobs, more getting sniped while fighting mobs, things like that, that are going to lead to you, you know, regain being subverted just because you get stunlocked. Um, It also uh, is just uh, a function and then grab attacks uh, frenzy obviously the things that that subvert the regain system there's also just a function of just higher difficulty mm-hmm. that subverts the regain mm-hmm. system where like regain to me works it's the best when i can take a hit and not worry about it that much yeah you know like it's like oh this did 40 percent of my health that's not a big deal but if something does 80 percent of my health um getting in there to regain when i'm trying to be situationally aware there are things around me um, or it could just be a character that just doesn't, it, it works best when it, I can tank the hit and, uh, enemies are easy to read. And those two things cease being true as you deal with more eldritch monstrosities, mm-hmm. um, yeah. more devastating range attacks and, uh, higher damage. Right. You know, and, and the, there's a specific moment where it happens. It's the snakeheaded guys in the forbidden woods. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's literally the moment in which I feel like regain stops being as good. Right. Like, it still stays good for a while. You're going to fight more guys. But those snake guys, like, I defy anyone to know which way an attack is coming from <laughs> when they're constantly writhing. Everything's moving around. So they're made as this kind of chaff. So you don't know when they're attacking. 
They do so much fucking damage. They mm-hmm. have a grab attack that looks like a regular attack. Like those things never become fun to fight. Yeah, they have poise like crazy. Yep. They, yeah, you can't you can't stun like you can't stun them. They have so much health that it's very difficult in this playthrough. Uh, on my standard playthrough, I played through this game three times with the with the axe. Or no, I did. I tried to do one with uh, spells and and mm-hmm. didn't work great. Oh, but I did twice oh with the boy. axe. And the, yeah, <laughs> spell. I mean, we'll, we'll get into that real briefly too. Yeah. We eventually we had to get into our souls agories. But the um <laughs> the uh, uh the, did the axe and the axe has a lot of damage. Has really good range. It's a really good weapon. This time I went through and I sequence broke to get Simon's bow blade because I was so cranky about the lack of build variety. I wanted to see what a <laughs> What this game would look like in a game where everyone has a gun, what would it be like to have a ranged attack? <laughs> uh, and it kind of sucks. <laughs> um, it, you can't buff it with anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it doesn't do when it's not the bow. It's just kind of like a decent longsword. Yeah. But I couldn't uh, at the point I was at the game, uh, I could not one combo those those snake guys. Um, I could plink them with with arrows but those take up uh, Quicksilver bullets, which meant I couldn't try to parry the snake eyes, which meant that I had 20 bullets uh, or I'd have to start dipping into my health. No Once I start dipping into my health, then you have to start like farming blood vials. Like it doesn't really work. And it, it's one of those things where like, I wonder if the game would be better. Like it, it, there's a conflict somewhere in there of of me and also the game supporting or like there being situations that would be good to have more approaches and the game not providing them. Versus the game playing to its strengths, and when it works, it really, really works. So there's some I, I, I kind of lost the plot, but there's some kind of conflict somewhere in there that I'm trying to circle around. Yeah, that's actually the build I did this time through as well as going after Simon's bowblade really early, which uh, fighting him is a huge pain in the ass. Oh, but... oh Jesus! Sucked. Yeah, to tell that's... that story because because Gary, you you told it to me, and that was like that did not sound worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I actually had heard Gary was doing it. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. I'm going to try that. So I blame you. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. But Guilty as charged. So when I when I attacked him, I was I was rocking I think like a plus five uh, saw spear at the time, and uh, it was not enough for a very long time. And I, it ended up being I led him back into the uh, little cathedral area where your first lantern is in the nightmare. And just kiting him around the uh, railings of the little platform so he couldn't shoot me. And just waiting mm. for him to get a little brave and come up to me, hitting him for like 20 damage. And then he'd he'd run away and do it again. And it probably took something like 25 minutes. Oh, God. Yeah. It, it's and, I, and, I, and I definitely I ran out of blood vials and I ran out of bullets during the whole thing. And, ugh. and being tense for that long is is problem is is a problem 25 minutes is unacceptable that's like the yeah. the uh the giant cactor fight in final fantasy 8 no thank you <laughs> yeah. i feel like most most things like that in games when it's like oh you can do this uh you, know, you can break this sequence and spend a lot of time and patience it's not worth it <laughs> like oh like nine times out of ten it's like oh you could do this but like you know it, it ends up kind of sucking and i i ended up regretting it because it's like yeah. i had I wanted this kind of variety. I didn't get it, and I had less fun than I would have if I had just done a basic playthrough. Oh yeah, like I, yeah. I, I, I was looking for path of least resistance. And spoiler, I'm doing that for all these games. So my bloodborne was just like rush for the Tomatris. You got it, boy. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, when when I when I got stuck on ROM for a while in this playthrough, and uh, when I found out I couldn't use the lightning paper, like I couldn't buff the sword, the yes. bow blade. 
Uh. It was like my jaw dropped. I was like, why? <laughs> why, why, why? Like this weapon is not overpowered. Like, uh, why would you that make was, that, that was decision? A painful moment. Oh, that, yeah. that, that absolutely had to have been a PVP consideration. PvP. That's the thing too. And, and that, that's a general thing that we'll get in this. Re- like the way this series, uh, the single player interacts with the PVP is a huge bummer to me. Yeah. Like it's, it's only for me, you know, cause it's, I, I mean, just to my personal desires, like usually when they make changes for PVP, it's a, it's to the game's detriment. Yeah. For, for my experience. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I also just generally think balance is bullshit. <laughs> so, yeah. like, mm-hmm. and, 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 and that is primarily the place where that pops up. Yeah. You're not StarCraft. Right. You know, like, stop, <laughs> stop trying to be like, you know, it is, it is not the biggest deal that like somebody can be a little bit overpowered. Like, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, underpowered and overpowered things are interesting. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, kind of because we again we do have to get over to our souls allegories. Yeah. Um, uh, something. The, uh, oh, go, go, did, did you have something to go to next? I was just gonna briefly. I mean, this is too many negative things in a row. But I was gonna talk. I, it could be my biggest bummer. But I was gonna talk about blood vials. Oh, um, that, that, we, that, that's, we can that, skip yeah, that. that's my biggest bummer. Let's let, let's go to that later. So, that, that, something that, that came up that I want to talk about is um, kind of let, let's not do this as a bummer. Um, if it is one of your bummers, that's fine. But I want to bring it up as a missed opportunity, which is the presence of blood tinge and arcane builds um, and just the way that that was kind of, I don't know, squandered um, in terms of like, man, I really I really wish that like a ranged combat build in a game with guns would have been viable. I wish that. You know, mm-hmm. tapping into these ancient forbidden arts in a game about Lovecraft um, <laughs> would have been kind of more possible, you know, earlier on. That's something that I could have built toward, right? It's like the uh, the Simpsons Super Bowl episode with no football uh, or Dolly Parton singing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. Like, I uh, when I tried to do that magic build, I was so disappointed by it. Um, because the, the ultimate spell you can get the, uh, like call from beyond or whatever, mm-hmm. like is very good. Oh yeah. Like it's a, it's a very good spell that I've requires died to it many like, times outside of Rom's mm-hmm. arena, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, requires something like 60 arcane or 55 arcane or something. I don't know the exact number, but it's an insane investment. Yeah. Yeah. And there yeah. are only really four stats that matter in bloodborne. So like having a big investment like that is okay. It's like two that everyone uses and then you choose two other ones. Right. Um, so having a high stat investment is not that big a deal, but what it means is that you're just not going to be able to use it for most of the game. So for the most of the game, you're shooting those like Ligarius as little skulls or, uh, even before that, you're just doing a you know, tentacles, uh, which just does piddling damage. Like you're never meant to do damage in ways other than your melee weapon in this game. Right. Yeah. I and found it when, I, when I did an arcane build. Um, it actually ups your item find as well because it's, you know, it does your luck. But, like, what am I going to find? Like, what am I going to get from that that's going to be really useful? That, that, that has to have been a way to juice the number of Quicksilver bullets you get so you can uh, so you can cast more. E- even then, I think I noticed a bit of a, a deficit on them and compared to how I normally go at it. And my standard build is like a dex blood tinge build or skill blood tinge. Yeah. Because I, I like me and I like me the Evelyn and I think it's, you know, it's just an awesome gun. But oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, th- that um that finding thing. So like, what are you going to find? That's a big we talked about that a lot in the the main season. But like, I mean, our I think so Bloodborne has a, makes it, like, well, I think it makes that like, you know, makes a uh, uh, has a treasure problem mm-hmm. as a reward mm-hmm. problem where like partway through the game going and finding, uh, you know, going out of your way ceases to be kind of meaningful, like finding these secrets these mechanical benefits for exploration. 
one of the things that's interesting about it, and this could have, uh, I'm not trying to shadow bring us into the, the blood vial thing early, but like early on, they use that to give you more blood vials. Mm-hmm. Um, that dries up like in oh, a serious mm-hmm. way. And same thing with Quicksilver bullets. Like you stop finding those things um, partway through. And that that's a real bummer because mm-hmm. like right when you're going to start needing them, like they should have been piling them on to you as far as item finds. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like corpses hanging over ledges should have 10 on them, mm-hmm. you know, in Yarragul. Um, It wouldn't have made it too easy. It just would have prevented that kind of grind. Um, instead, like, you know, again, it's it's blood stones, which because they they couldn't have you know, they didn't have very much equipment. They couldn't have you find equipment. Mm-hmm. They had to have you find bloodstones because they have so many bloodstones in the game. They up the requirement. Um, so <laughs> the game requires a lot of bloodstones to upgrade things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and then <laughs> this game has more treadmills than an OK Go Go video. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It, well, and then also like bloodstones and blood gems, which like it's a crapshoot whether it'll fit. Mm-hmm. And those run into that boring Dragon Age uh problem of, yeah, like, the, of insanely de- incremental upgrades yeah marginal percentages and stuff like that or most egregiously when you think hey that's going to <laughs> that's going to be a succulent juicy apple at the right time i'm so hungry and then no it it, it is a challenge dungeon or a, a, cha- a chalice ingredient of, yeah uh, a chalice of, of ingredient sort. yeah which which like i mean ch- i mean if chalices weren't the biggest bummer for one of us like I was going to flip the table and quit the podcast. So <laughs> I, I, I will, I will definitely bring that I, to the table. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, if, you, I, if you got I, blood vials, I got chalices. I, I purposefully avoided it. So don't worry. Yeah. So, and, <laughs> and in those chalices are where the blood gems actually start to get a little interesting because yeah. they become good enough that any of those like add slow poison effects or something actually start to become relevant mm-hmm. instead of like add slow poison one. And you're like, well, that will literally <laughs> never poison anything before I kill it. That so. will never proc. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's burying a bad system in another bad system, which that's that's no good. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it's right. what it does is it, it if you look at like when you have a reward and then you look at what you're encouraging with that reward. Like I'm way more comfortable with encouraging me checking out all the parts of the level than like going down and doing chalice diving. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Hey guys, so. we've been really negative for a while. I want to, <laughs> I want, I want to pull the, yeah. to, to, to pull the yaw up a little bit or the pitch, whatever one applies, um, and say something that I really love about this, uh, about Bloodborne in general is how much amazing optional content there is. Oh yeah. Other than Chalice Absolutely. Dungeons. Right. Other than Chalice <laughs> Dungeons. I'm thinking specifically like, I, I figured we would get to this in, in best areas, but just in general, um, this is, I think the Souls game. Um, that has felt okay about burying its light under a bushel with amazing areas like um, the uh, Forsaken Castle Canehurst and also the like the Upper Cathedral Ward. Like those are two of my favorite areas in this game and like the entire series that you never ever have to go to. Yeah, like I I think that that's a thing, and I think Dark Souls One does that as well. Yep. Um, but I think it's really great here, and th- those are those are phenomenal areas. Um, for di- really different reasons too. Yep. Like, um, Kanehurst is like just an amazing level on its own as far as visually and atmosphere wise. What it adds to the story, I think, is actually kind of detrimental. I don't yes. really like the how Kanehurst fits into the story. Um, but then the Upper Cathedral Ward adds to the story in amazing, creepy ways. Yeah. Um, like that, mm-hmm. that's a plot bomb that's like totally hidden. <laughs> um, and there, there are way there are smaller sub areas that are really hidden too. There's that weird like green silo. Uh, big tower that you fall down to get to that weird back alley area with the brain sucker. Yep. 
Um, and so, like, there are lots of little side areas like that that uh, are very, very cool. And the hidden whole, old one, ah, old hunter's workshop right off of that as well. Oh, man. Just, oh, yeah. That, that's such an amazing moment finding that. I, we, let, we let, gave, let's uh, let's uh, save that the, for later. Yeah, we, like we gave, uh, what's it, Ted? The, um, the, the Forsaken Firelink so much credit. Yep. And like Bloodborne yeah. did that better like one game <laughs> earlier. Like that's so much, you know, it's going back to the old, uh, the old Firelink and uh, Dark Souls 3 is cool. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, finding the the hunter's workshop. Yeah, I'd argue that's cooler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and you know, let's give a you know, being positive, like uh, visually, this game is astounding. Oh my god! Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> like not just like kind of like normal you know graphics, like quality of models, quality of light, but the art direction is so good. It actually does, um, even though in the city it gets a little tedious, where there's just tomb, like you can't walk without stepping over a tombstone. There are areas that use some of the PS4 kind of clutter aesthetic to good effect. So, like specifically, um, Hemwick. Hemwick, yeah. Um, yeah. Hemwick like looks amazing. Like that looks lived, you know, lived in and grungy and terrifying and haunted house y mm-hmm. in a classic sense. Uh, that is just like really, really deft um, kind of placement and 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 visually. It hits that gothic there. village atmosphere just so por- perfectly. Yeah. Perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely perfectly. Gravestones packed so tightly that they have to like extend beyond each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clutter yeah, and, to good and, effect. Yeah, clutter, clutter to just like absolutely wonderful effect. Some of the enemy designs are are the strongest in the series. Like the the grin on my face of like the first like goopy student, you know, character, <laughs> and I'm like, this is like this is so weird in a way the series hasn't really been since demon souls mm-hmm. like this is really weird yeah uh and that sense of the weird or just the, even the, the aliens you know mm-hmm. and the first time you run into those that's like such a good moment and they look so like they're dorky good mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. way that dark souls one and demon souls are really good at yeah well you like know? like half of the or more than half of the uh kind of the effort was uh, that was expended on those why they're effective is the animation the way those aliens run at you by like kind of toddling and trying to keep their head balanced that communicates mm-hmm. so much about how ungainly these poor unfortunate beings are mm-hmm. yeah yeah um and, and yeah, the just... contrast for them is so much stronger because you've been fighting these you know hu- humanoid enemy enemies and beasts this whole time and then you come across a goop student and you're like, that's real silly, but it's also very creepy. And it, <laughs> it rides that line just so well. Yeah. And and even the contrast, not just in, in kind of tone, but even color wise, yep. right? Like everything is mm-hmm. dressed as kind of this, you know, diseased pilgrim aesthetic. Uh, and then just to have those aliens that are, you know, a very like brilliant shade um, or those goopy students who are, are pale, yeah. you know, something that is kind of bright and luminescent. Uh, in the mm-hmm. midst of all this drabness, like really, really works. Yeah. Um, like visually, this is you know this is arguably the best looking Souls game, I think. Yeah. Um, For, I think you know, I'm willing and, to put that seal on it. I'm oh, I'm willing to say that it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. In that For, regard. For a game with two tonally very distinct different you know like uh, halves, um, it is incredibly cohesive between the two of them. In a, in, in a way like it is this nice gradual crossfade that brings you into it um there's an amazing amount of intentionality behind the design uh I, that, that, that's shown oh sorry sorry to no don't worry I, in the middle of that but I, I think that's true but i do feel like there's a little bit of a missed opportunity there too mm-hmm. um because I, I think that like when you get to you know nightmare of mensis like that looks really cool yarhagul actually sells that kind of like 
having a foot in both worlds things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I would have liked to have seen the nightmare areas do a lot more with it. Yeah. Um, Like I love that the lecture hall exists and you exit it into the nightmare, but like, what if, um, what if in like the nightmare, like there were, there were classroom buildings you walked through Mm -hmm. and they were built into the side of this goop. It's, it's what they do in the DLC. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. so successfully. And that's what I wanted to see for that transition. So like the transition, they're totally consistent. The transition is not as smooth. Like it doesn't have that like foot in both worlds, one world kind of being subsumed feeling that like I would have really appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind Um, of weird how a lot of games when they're representing a nightmare or some kind of uh, hallucination of some kind will change things on you uh, in the game. Like uh, in Point Lookout, for instance, there's, you know, you're walking along through the air and suddenly you're walking on the trees or something (laughs) like that. And it's sort of a it's sort of a trick of the level design. But Souls games are almost always very consistent with their worlds. Mm hmm. So the way they end up fitting that kind of stuff together, like walking through the clock in um, the Astro Clock Tower or something like that, is almost more effective for me because I'm expecting this very solid, consistent world. Mm. And and yeah. the uh, the transfer between them is just so jarring, and it's really great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's explicitly like a dream. Like that dreamlike quality mm-hmm. is is really you know really strong there. I think maybe part of what I'm picking up on is that areas that are in the nightmare don't have, you know, enough of like a dreamlike sense to them. They just look like alien planets to me. Yeah. Just like really just push the throttle when it comes to illogical spaces. Yeah. Like, like that, that that is what I would want if they were leaning into the thing that I really love about the, you know, the, the, the dreamlike, uh, HP Lovecraft style stuff. Yeah. And, and we didn't, you know, we've, we've been kind of like talking about this. We haven't even talked about like, the plot uh, <laughs> or, or kind of like lore things to this, which is I think plotting wise, this the, you can also make a specifically plot. So I'm not saying, uh, you know, lore or themes, um, even though thematically, I think it's really strong. I think you can say like the plot is, this is one of the strongest and most straightforward yep. in the game. Like the kind of things it deals with um, what actually happened, the, the feeling of the story of this division in the church, um, you know, all of these, there, there are some like cliches and some tropes, but they're all tropes. I absolutely love Yeah, like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, a society right on the verge of you know, being in this kind of Victorian era experimental science thing, being exposed to like a dark God or things that are explicitly mystic, you know, mystic, um, just does it for me in like a big, big bad way. Um, and I absolutely adore it. And as it relates to, uh, the sort of plots of the other games, they tend to be all about, you know, kings who have a lot of power and don't want to give it up and <laughs> and you having to come along and punch the power out of them. But this <laughs> but Bloodborne is a lot more about like, hey, maybe that maybe that power isn't for you. Maybe it's for like <laughs> great beings from beyond the stars, and maybe you're not good enough for this to anybody. <laughs> and and I like that sort of uh yeah. ethos a lot more than the the ones espoused by like demon souls or dark souls, which are still good. Yeah. Get me wrong, but yeah, yeah. I, I, bloodborne stands out because unlike the other entries in the series where you are arriving at the site of a catastrophe well after it's happened, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the ash has settled sometimes quite literally. And what you're dealing with are these fallen gods, these, you know, degraded great heroes who are holding on to whatever little power they have. Um, that's true for some places in bloodborne, but very much, um, you are arriving, maybe not in the middle of the crisis, but definitely while it is still ongoing. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. the, 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 there, there is less of a, there's less of an anthropological bent to the way things unfold because the action is still happening. And I think that that, that plays into the sense of urgency. And I think the necessary simplicity of what's going on, because everybody still has to be alive. The different factions still have to be active um, to a certain extent. And even when they dig into stuff that is far, far in the past, it is presented through the nightmare, through the dream as something that is still going on symbolically um, that will have a tremendous effect on the things that you have seen leading up to it. So I think that like that is something that is massively different about Bloodborne compared to the rest of the series. Yeah. And and I want to like underline that where it's like, it is, you know, that feeling of archeology span that the other entries have is very important to me. Me too. Like I just, I, so to me, it, this isn't better, but it does make it feel really fresh. Yep. And for this kind of story, like you could do uh, that kind of immediacy helps this kind of complements this kind of story very much. Because in a weird way, like it, it doesn't turn out to be really this way in the end, but the way it's presented to you is as saving the world. Mm-hmm. And you get to mm-hmm. watch like, you know, that the the story happening is quite literal. Like it is, you know, the sun is setting, the moons are changing, <laughs> like all the things, things are happening and you get to see it happen. Um, the other games where there is that kind of sense of, of fatalism, um, that underlines their themes a little bit more. But this has the sense of, you know, starts off as like you you have to do something about this. As you kind of get further into it, um, that kind of drops away, and it, it starts putting this like it kind of becomes a story about this archaeology because it becomes about knowing what these these movers and shakers did in this world yeah. and how they kind of damn themselves. Yeah, it's 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 a more recent investigation, I guess. Yes, is, 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 it doesn't is start out as too late, and it be, kind of becomes too late in a yeah. way. Yeah. You know, and then there, and then there are because there are elements of the story that I don't like. I don't think work as well, mm-hmm. but like the theming and stuff is actually like extremely good. Yeah, and oh. uh, and yeah, I love in the beginning when you first talk to Garman and he's like, "Oh, don't question any of this. It's fine. Don't <laughs> don't worry. It's it's cool. This is just what hunters do." Yeah, go out and kill a couple of beasts and see how you feel. Yeah, and that's like you know, and I, I you know I tend to go in for when characters in a game talk to the player. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um. And and this is actually the first game, and I talked about this a lot during the season, but this kind of changed my way of looking at these games where I feel like uh, in previous games, it kind of made sense to be really hung up on the minutia. Um, you know, the, like the lore elements, like the things like, oh, what did, um, what specifically does this refer to? You know, and there's a lot of good work that's done in that. Like specifically, Richard Pilbeam has done like amazing work yes. in yeah. that realm. But I got my the most enjoyment I got of this was kind of unfocusing my eyes and concentrating on those themes and feelings, mm-hmm. which like to me makes perfect sense for a game about dreams or a game with a dreamlike sense. Absolutely. It, you know, so very, very strong in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, not airtight. You know, there are things like, like I don't, I still don't really care for the Dumerians. Like I don't think they're particularly oh, good, yeah. no. you know, and I don't, I don't think like Kanehurst like actually makes tons of sense or it doesn't, it feels unfinished to me. Yeah. You know, where that where these this race of noble vampires that are probably descended from the Thumerians, where they fit into this world, you know, mm-hmm. other than to cross another thing off their universal monsters, gothic horror list. Right. <laughs> Thank you.
does it um, does it make sense to go into soul allegories at this point? Sure. Yeah. I think so. So we'll, let's uh, let's let you uh, start on the story. Yeah. Um, so that way we don't bite any of your skeezes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, I figured we we would go around in each category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Stuart, what's your favorite uh, favorite area in the game? Favorite level? Uh, my favorite area by far is the orphanage in the upper cathedral ward. Nice. Um, I. It's so tight and so tiny, and so scary. <laughs> it's it's one of like. Souls games almost never do background music, but there's two places in this that do, and they are both so terrifying for doing it. Because one's in in Yaragul when you get dragged there by the the kidnapper or wherever he is, mm-hmm. and the other is in this in this orphanage, and it's pitch black. There's mi- uh, mind flares everywhere. I know they're not actually called that, but whatever. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and there's a chandelier covered in beasts. Yep. And and I'm like, oh, okay, this area is is all bright and light and it'll be okay. And then that thing drops and I'm like, Oh God, they're in the dark. They're nearby. I can only see their eyes. Yeah. uh, There's the one that jumps in through the window. a la resident evil. It's a resident evil scare. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. I was going to bring that up. Like explicitly is, is meant to be kind of a haunted house kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, it's so good. Actually, I I know that that happens every time. I'm like, okay, he's going to jump out. He's going to jump out. And he never does it when I think he's going to. Yeah. I've been playing Resident uh, Evil 1 for 20 years and it still gets me. <laughs> so yeah, just, they, they, they know they know a good thing when they see it. And also that leads on to the, you know, the wonderful make contact gesture, which I, I love that thing. Mm-hmm. I love all the lore surrounding that as well. And yeah, that area is just so, so tightly designed. And it, well, it and looking at a map of it, it seems so simple. Mm-hmm. And, but that's just uh, sort of the economy of space that I think From does really, really well. Yeah, yeah, it, it uses shortcuts really well, um, yeah. and, mm-hmm. it, and it climaxes really well too. As much as I have issues with, like the uh, Celestial Emissary, I don't think is like a great boss fight, and I have issues with uh, Abritus finding out that they have these things kind of hidden there, mm-hmm. like going to the Lumen Flower Garden, seeing it as this kind of eerily but definitely like uh, uh, astrologically, like kind of outer space, beautiful the color out of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, color super yeah. color out of space, and then having oh, like they actually have this this dead god they hauled up from this ancient city that they <laughs> have in this, in this area is just really really astounding. Like, as a great capper to like, and it's an orphanage. Yeah, like it's a place <laughs> where people send unwanted children. Like, it's it, that's a really great area. Like to, to be indoctrinated and to become agents, you know, of the of kind of the facade that is around this thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and a bit of that environmental storytelling. I know that um, coffin talk is generally banned on the podcast, <laughs> but yeah. but when I did get to the uh, the upper cathedral ward, I noticed that there were tiny coffins everywhere. Yep. And I was like, oh, damn. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's that's real spooky. Yeah. Um, also, in my first playthrough, I did not find a Britus. Uh, I oh, play. When I when I play through the games the first time, I always play through them offline because I feel like Souls does a lot better as like a very lonely experience. Mm-hmm. So I there was I didn't know you could break the glass. I didn't know you could. There was no oh, message yeah. to guide me, and I was just like, oh, this this boss was cool, but it's a little bit of an anticlimax for this place. Oh well, yeah. And I never got uh, to experience the Breedus the first time, which yeah. yeah, I mean, I probably would have bounced pretty hard off of it, but right. still. The, the, but even even without that, the area was just incredible. So. How did you feel once you did 
burst through that window and discover that, holy shit, this is right above the actual church, the main cathedral, where not only I saw the uh, amygdala statues, but also mm. fought, you know, the last remaining living member of this church in Vicar Amelia. Like that architectural connection, like did that land for you? Oh, it did very strongly. I was I was in this uh, dual place of being like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And oh, my God, I didn't get this organically. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, but uh, and then I, you know, died to a breedus a bunch of times. And I'm like, OK, this is still cool. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't bother beating a breedus this time. So. No. <laughs> no. How, I, how about I, you, Paul? Or, oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying that I, I beat a Breedus every time now just because I like to go through the whole um, Alfred and Elise storyline. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, and that that is the part of it I hate the most. But yep, I just, I just got to do it. I love, I love that story. Anyway, uh, for me, my favorite would be the research lab. Um, sorry if I scooped yours, Gary, but I think we both share a similar. I've got I've got backups. OK, so. <laughs> I have backups as well. It was your mistake for making me go first. No, um, I love the research lab, not only because uh, <laughs> not only because uh, the, the old hunters in a, is an amazing piece of DLC. And it's great to see what they had a chance to make once they had the full perspective on the main game itself. But um, because it is such a story rich area, you know, I'm going to go um, for the dark science every time. But to see this combination of you know, hospital to hear these people kind of begging for their lives on their gurneys and on their stretchers and stuff. Um, you know, while I am going around and killing the most far gone of them, I think that it's an area that is loaded with incredible pathos while still also being incredibly fun to play. You know, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, in terms of design, in terms of, you know, using this kind of wide open space where the majority of the exploration that you're doing is on the margins and unlocking these elevator-based shortcuts back to each other. This is some really old-school soul stuff that is executed, I think, at the at, at kind of at maybe the height of their powers a little bit. So it's this wonderful kind of synthesis between the two of them with these amazing moments that are put into it. When you see, you know, the mirror of the Lumen Flower Garden, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when you see just kind of how much of this crisis extended... Uh, you know, from this place, um, you get that architectural or not or, yeah, that architectural, anthropological and investigative kind of reveal when you get in here. But yeah, like that, that sense of pathos cannot be oversold, I think. And that's ultimately what makes it for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, the, and, and I, wonderfully weird, like plop plop, you know, yeah. like oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the NPC who you have to go get brain matter for, you know. Oh, that's that's so good. Yeah. And spooky, <laughs> and and also a little non-intuitive, and you have to kill her for her own brain fluid. And <laughs> yep, yeah. I mean, sure. <laughs> um, I I really like that area too. I think it does a great thing with its uh, sort of central stairway area, and then creating these great little encounter vignettes mm -hmm. off to the side that all kind of have their own feel to them. Yeah, which is really nice, and are yeah. all spooky as heck. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it ends with the the lumen flower. Uh, you know, the, the fight, the, the living failures, which is no great shakes and then ends with Maria, one of the greatest boss fights in the series. Of course. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it caps off really well. And Maria is very much like, even though it's a different title card, Maria is very much the boss of that area. Like that's what, <laughs> that's the person those patients uh, are talking about. Yep. You know, and, and everything like that is the, uh, yeah, that, that's a great, great area. Yeah. Um, 
would have been it's it's in my like three I was gonna bring up. I, I came up with three for most of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just in case anybody scoops mine. <laughs> um so I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna do the obvious one. And Research Hall probably would have been uh what I would have said, but I'm gonna say Kanehurst. Yep. Um mm-hmm. you know, which is which is obvious. I almost went with Hemwick, like in revisit, like I love Hemwick Colonel Lane. Mm-hmm. Like that is that is so good. But Kanehurst is uh it, it was weird. The reason why I felt reluctant in picking it is because one of the reasons I love it is that it is a break from Bloodborne, <laughs> you know, in the middle of Bloodborne. Like, yeah, that doesn't speak yeah. too well to the whole thing. <laughs> but it's, I, you know, I love Bloodborne, but it, it the contrast is so powerful. Yeah. You know, and the way, man, the, like the way you get there, like this, this like undead <laughs> wagon takes you from finding an invitation on the, the surgery table. You just woke up on is like wonderfully dreamlike and surreal. Mm-hmm. Turn around, having the horses be long dead. Yep. Um, you know, making your way, those uh, those tick things never get fun to fight. That sucks. Yeah. But once yeah. you actually get into the, the castle, like this castle full of ghosts uh, kind of aesthetic hasn't been totally done. Uh, this way in a Souls section, a Souls game, and the thing that kind of puts it over the edge, even though Wireframe, like it's very interesting. It has that mix of kind of like Dark Souls one esque outdoor indoor exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, is everything is fun to fight in it yep. after you get inside the door? Right. Um, mm-hmm. The ghosts are fun to fight. The gargoyles are fun to fight. The uh, the con- the uh, mix ups are really cool. Like the the char- the compositions of encounters. Mm-hmm. You know the um, the guys who hit you with the dart. Yeah, like uh, all of give those, you the brand. All of those dart encounters inside the uh, in- inside the dark libraries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's I that's a- very cool. Very cool. Like uh, and it doesn't. It's not over. It's not over harsh. Like you take more damage when you're branded. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. Like it's not a one shot kill. It doesn't toxic you. It doesn't stun you so then a ghost is going to three shot you everything <laughs> is kind of measured and considered yeah in a way uh, and it has that ballroom where it looks like people were just eating well oh yeah if you didn't bring that up yeah. i was going to chastise you, like, Gary. <laughs> like, the, like a like an abandoned dining hall like from from maniac mansion on yep. <laughs> for, here, from maniac mansion on, from, from great expectations on has that been like something that i've valued but it looks like they're eating material goods uh-huh like it's oh, so yeah. wonderfully weird and the more like the more kind of loresters and theories that came out about Kanehurst, the less I got into it. Uh-huh. You know, where it's like, uh, you know, oh, like this is who they are. And it's like I don't didn't really want to know. Like I, yeah. I feel like the the strength of that is how weird it was. It thrives at first blush. Yeah. Like and and then the the story that ends there. So like to your point, Stuart, like you know, Bloodborne doesn't have NPC stories really. I mean it does, but they're not developed usually yeah um but the thing with alfred and and the queen uh the vile bloods is mm-hmm. so good yeah um, that, that, that was actually with, one of my one of my things that are great from the souls of glories yeah. so <laughs> it's it's you know it's and then uh, logarius is a great fight uh-huh. like even you know i didn't he didn't memory leak for me i've always fought hard logarius mm-hmm. but i think he's he's on that side of you know of uh of challenging but good yeah you know he doesn't feel unreasonable great uh great arena as well yeah 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 oh yeah yeah like the snow swept <laughs> you know crumbling rooftop like yeah it just it's suitably like i hate the word epic but like that's what it is yeah and uh yeah so that i think that's that area has it all for me except for those fucking ticks out in the courtyard <laughs> which are the worst and that area is actually i think that area is actually really poorly designed like yeah. it's not just like annoying it's like oh these things overlap and they're way too harsh mm-hmm. there are too many of them like it's cool yeah. to see them it's a great design but yeah they ne- they're never fun to fight. Once you actually get into the building, it is, you know, chef fingers to the end. <laughs> yeah. I, oh. I, I love that area, too. I do have a slight ethereal bone to pick with the Banshees. 
mm. and they're stunning you so everyone can knife you in the gut a bunch of times that that gets a little old for me but otherwise yeah. yes it is just an astounding area and eating and them like maybe consuming gold and silverware is is so evocative <laughs> i have i have definitely put it in a D game or two nice yeah <laughs> Um, so let's look on the other side of this coin. Stuart, what's uh, your least favorite area or the worst area in the game? I thought at first that I might just say Chalice Dungeons and then go... And... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but to be to be actually fair, I I think I, I dislike the Nightmare Frontier the most. Um, I, I think it's That's got some answer. cool stuff yeah. in it. It's got some cool stuff, and, and it was a super neat thing to find the first time I got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I like the boss all right, but... Uh, going up against the um, oh god, what are they called? The, the, the dull the things. Winter lanterns. Winter lanterns. Yes. Oh god, that was awful the first time. Uh, I I like patches as much as anybody, but him kicking me into a river full of poison and nonsense is not okay. <laughs> um, having to deal with a couple hunter fights at once there is mm. pretty pretty awful, and it's and none of it matters. Nope. Like at the end of it, you get a chalice, and wow, no, <laughs> there, there, I don't care. There's nothing that the Nightmare Frontier says that the Nightmare of Mensis doesn't say better. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and the Nightmare of Mensis has its own problems, mm-hmm. um, but it 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 matters a lot more, and it's got a lot more variety of what it's doing. Whereas the the Nightmare Frontier is it really hits that visual clutter in a bad spot. Um, it's really monochromatic too. Yeah. yeah. Like it and, is a real blah looking <laughs> zone. And and you know, there's there might come a point where I've had enough of running through a poison swamp. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, you can do it in every game, I get it, but like <laughs> Yeah, this had this but, has other complicating factors stacked on top of it that are not uh not great. Yeah. That's a really good answer. Yeah. So. Um is it okay if I pile on that as well because I was going to make the visual design side of it. There's the, the, there's no ga- there's no area in the game that I think is less successful than the than the Nightmare Frontier other than what I know Gary is going to say. Um Well, I I can't say chalices cuz I I consider that not part of the game. Same. And and yeah. I, I actually le- I left those out of it. No, I I know you're going to say uh Yahargul Chapel. Yeah. Um and you know just the the whole second visit to that. No, I th- I'm going to go with you Stuart. Let's team up. Um, and just say like just the visual design of uh of, of the nightmare frontier and just the overall encounter um kind of space that they put you into no i i i have no no room or patience or time for it and uh like i dipped into it died a couple of times to a winter lantern on my recent playthrough and i was like you know what i'm gonna go and skip this it's fine i like amygdala as a fight as well uh mm-hmm. but it's not worth getting to specifically no. because there's nothing on the back of it yeah I, I i like it and this is this is a thing that got kind of deep because i um i like this game a lot and i actually wrote a couple essays on it a while ago mm-hmm. on uh its relationship to dreams and things like that very dry and boring to read overall but uh i really like the nightmare frontier as it stands as a representation of sort of the divergent paths taken from bergenworth so we have like the lecture hall and there are two exits from it and one goes to the nightmare frontier and one goes to the nightmare of Mensis. And to me, those kind of spoke to the different attitudes of the, the people who remained at Bergenworth and the people who split off to create the school of Mensis and the healing church and that kind of thing. And the 
aimless maze-like nonsense of the Nightmare Frontier contributed pretty heavily to that, which is good, but does not make for a good level. No, no. Yeah. No. Anyway. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I also do not do not like those zones for the same or that zone for the same reason. And Amigdala is fine. Like yeah. Amigdala mm-hmm. looks cool, but like any, any fight that doesn't fit on your camera, <laughs> like in, in souls is going to be a little bit tricky. And then there's yeah. the filed Amigdala, which is a Ugh. literal travesty. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to yeah. say Yara for, for reasons I, I mostly mentioned earlier, which is that um, it is overly hostile and like hostile is good. I get that. But that kind of like, I just need to run through this and not engage with it. Um, mm-hmm. Black Gulch is as long as I want that to be. Yes. Um, and yeah. Yarhagul goes on forever. <laughs> and like, are you shitting me with that three encounter, at, three hunter at one time fight? Like, is anyone <laughs> oh, yeah. supposed to like every time I've like, I, I was on Twitter and I was complaining about Yarhagul when I, when I was playing it. And I said, like, who can defend that? And everyone's defense of it were weird ways you could cheese it. And it, <laughs> it underlined the, the essential is not good. Yes. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the lesson I've learned from bonfire side chat and game design is the you know being able to complete something does not make it a good make it good, you know, and like it's such a harsh shitty thing, and it's 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 you know they they crush that lantern that's right before it, they smash yeah. the lantern that's there when you first get kidnapped for no reason other than hatred, uh <laughs> you know there's there's weird shortcuts that are these fountain teleportation things that are kind of nonsensible. The shortcuts are not very good, like if you take a wireframe of it. Um, mm-hmm. the area doesn't make a lot of sense and does not feel lived in and good in the way, like it's part of that city, which is cool. Mm-hmm. They sculpted people trying, you know, climbing up the walls to get out, which is really haunting and awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like a place at all. Right. Like it, it does a really bad job of feeling like part of the city to me, you know, mm-hmm. when you, fr- and it's weird because when you first go there and it's kind of empty and they're just jailers wandering around and you're kind of confined to that jail, it does. Oh, it's so good. Cause like, you feel so trapped. Yeah, it feels a lot better. And you are trapped. Like, it's a jail. That's where they, they put people. Going out on the street, though, like, does not feel like a street. It doesn't feel like a place where anyone could live. And it's just, it is just so, so annoyingly harsh. And then the boss at the end, the one reborn, which is, like, one of the least significant bosses in the game, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, and just, like, you, you've you done, like, the big pile of corpses, like, enough I think <laughs> souls like, you know, it, it is just, it has just been done. So like, and it's the same thing mechanically as the tower night. Yep. Fight. Like you, you've done this every part of this many times over. Like this is not particularly cool. It, the only cool part to me is that, you know, the statue is trying to climb up the walls and then oh, yeah. finding the lash and getting sucked into the nightmare of Mensis at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the people strapped to chairs with the, uh, the cages on their head are very neat, but that's fewer and far between than I really would like it to be. Right. So what do you got for best boss, Stuart? Uh, (laughs) I I worry this might take you off because I know you had a tough time with her the first time, but I really like Vicar Amelia. Oh, wow. I mean, there are lots and lots of bosses I I like a lot. And I figured, you know, that they that you guys would cover the ones that people from the who listen to the podcast will expect. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But Vicar Amelia, the first time I was going through the game was where I really got in the zone. And I understood how the game worked and I and I got into that elegant dance that the combat can be. And I, I had uh, I didn't have a problem with her like healing or anything like that. And I love uh, the little scene of her transforming, how it's off camera, but still scary as heck. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's that 
nice uh, Easter egg where people have cut out the audio and heard the exact prayer that she's making there, which revealed a lot of neat stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the, the arena is just nice and wide and open for that kind of fight, and I'm not going to get you know screwed over by a loose pebble or something like that on the ground. So yeah, I yeah, think that's I, mostly what hit it. Like I think I think Amelia is actually like not a bad fight. I think my issue and revisiting is where you run into her. Like I think she's a little bit too like can be fought a little bit too early. If you go do both the optional areas before her, she's not too harsh. But my frustration with her came from like thinking that was the critical path, actually, as opposed actually, to going to our old Yarhagul or a Hemwick. In my first playthrough, I did not do uh, old Yarnum or Hemwick until after I had beat Rom. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. I, I just I just hadn't found either of those areas, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, what's all this?" <laughs> so, and she was hard. Like Vicar Amelia was very hard, but yeah, yeah. It just I couldn't I couldn't outpace her healing. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. I have I have no. Uh, she's not like on my bottom. You know, she's not on my bottom list. Like I don't hate that boss or anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's sure. she's certainly um like the like the story stuff even around her like. She is that kind of linchpin around the uh, some of the earlier reveals, right? Like that is the point where you you know you find the skull and you touch it and you get your first kind of glimpse of um oh god what's his name Gary uh, um, Jimmy McSmartpants Jimmy, Jimmy McSmartpants yeah Jimmy McSmartpants he okay. went to college and he pointed <laughs> at the moon yeah uh, Lawrence Lawrence and um uh, 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 Willem. Willem thank you there we go Lawrence thank you Willem. yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of one of the best cutscenes in the the series yeah like and actually it's about people being alive and in the world it's not like (laughs) you know a a narrator telling you about ancient gods like it's actually just two people having a conversation like Mm -hmm. i i love that cutscene. yeah Mm -hmm. you get it from a skull (laughs) um i'm gonna go ahead and scoop and switch our orders okay on this and take this just so uh, i can say something first if it ends up being being your favorite as well yeah you're 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 probably gonna grab it so Uh, maybe it depends um so my my favorite's maria yeah. Uh, and this, I think this is the, uh, this is a controversial statement. I think this is the only time from has been entirely successful in doing a three phase bo- boss fight mm-hmm. and easily one of the best, if not the best multi-phase, like there are other multi-phase ones that are successful. I think it's rare. And I think three phase boss fights don't work except for Maria. Um, and I think the the reason why Maria works is because uh, her attacks all build off of each other. She doesn't get totally new verbs. Her health doesn't refill. Um, she just does a little bit more range, you know, is a little bit more aggressive. And it kind of has this natural progression. Um, the cutscene where you run into her mm-hmm. is also up mm-hmm. there in the pantheon of great souls cutscenes. Yeah. Um, she's a great character. Yep. Um, and the DLC being kind of about her and being about her in German um and and the, this kind of original sin of the college is like really thematically whole yeah um yeah she's not overtly like you can parry her she's not <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. a, a crazy challenge boss mm-hmm. um you know she is just like it is a very very fun duel it's the the bloodborne equivalent of artorius yes to me. yes um yeah and well, just and and fashion on point <laughs> fashion fashion oh. so on point oh, absolutely yeah. yeah they're making dolls yeah. of her come on yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, just and oh, good. I I do love what that says about German and how much of a gross creep he is. Yep. <laughs> she put that together. Yeah. Ugh. Just her her role as kind of the central figure in the story, who is so important yet wasn't really alluded to that much in the main in the main game. I think that 
just her presence builds up that DLC in such a way, like so much about that feels additive. I'm 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 kind of annoyed that there was another explanation for the presence of the bad blood and the curse, but like everything related to Maria on a personal level um is amazing. And her fight I think is is pretty fucking unassailable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, for all the reasons, Gary, that you that you said, yep, yeah, um, Maria was definitely my uh, my choice for that. Um, my backup would have been uh, Garman as well. Mm. I think that Garman's mm. fight um, is a really really good final boss fight for the game. Um, Moon Presence is kind of a wet fart, um, and I don't really like the ending that you get on the back of that anyway. So, <laughs> um, you know, if you look at Garman as the the highest test of this, you know, fast moving. Uh, dual style play that the game has been trying to teach you off and on. Um, Garamin is a is a is a really good uh, kind of uh, test for that. Um, and yeah, I think that 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 is a lot of the place where um, a lot of the kind of fight where Bloodborne excels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're very similar fights actually in like a lot of ways. Yes, you know, it, and as just as far as like similar amounts of mobility and and everything, and being able to to stagger you. Yeah. Uh, pair you the same way and stuff. That makes sense. Yep. Narratively, too. Yeah. Maybe. Um, who uh, who sucks, Stuart? <laughs> uh, I also wanted to be a little non-obvious with this, because there are there are plenty of bosses that kind of suck, but for me, it's actually the Witch of Hemwick. Um, I like her wow. concept. Let's fight. I, <laughs> <laughs> I like her concept a lot. I love the area. Um, I... I just kind of hate how it always plays out for me. And I don't know if this was just personally, but like I always, always have to attempt it many times. And I always lose track of where she is. She catches me, digs my eyes out every time. Mm. And I I find it first so frustrating because I always feel like I have to do it, even though it's kind of optional. Because I always, I feel like I have to have the runes equipped. And if I don't, I'm somehow not playing optimally enough even though i'm not not big into like min maxing my character perfectly yeah Yeah. so well the rune i mean the runes are huge like cutting off that system behind an area at all is kind of a questionable yeah decision you know like oh Um, you don't get rings like (laughs) and and i think it's i think it's great that they you know checked the box of like scary old witch um from the you know gothic horror um setup uh but it's just it's just painful every time I fight it. And I'm, I'm for some reason still so tense every time I do it, even though I can like, you know, go through the blood starved beast or gas coin and just be like, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm doing this. Yeah. Perry here, whatever. <laughs> but they, mm. that wit, that witch. And then with the, when, Oh, the second one, Oh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> they just, they just yeah. kind of hit me right in that rage place. Yeah. Yeah. I don't actually want to fight. No, no, I can, yeah. I can uh-huh. see that. It definitely is a gimmick fight, yeah. Yeah. and you know those th- those live or die depending on the strength of those gimmicks. Like it, it can feel the, the, that fight, depending on the role, depending on where she spawns, depending on any number of factors, does feel like it can take way longer than it ought to. Um, like, and I think that that's a that that, that 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 is a reasonable point of frustration. It's funny because I haven't really heard people dislike that fight for that reason. Um, usually when people dislike it, I think they dislike it because they think it's too easy. Uh, I'm not saying that to like, you know, no, game, yeah. you know, game, gamer out on you. I no, just, I when it. people get, complain get about it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to get good. Yeah. 
Um, but when people <laughs> complain about it, they complain about it because of that. Usually they're like, oh, like it's, you know, it's, it's too simple, things like that, which I is not a complaint I, I get on board with. Like I like boss fights that are breathers. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. it's interesting. But I mean, again, Souls games find their weaknesses, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my least favorite, um, sorry, Stuart, uh, is going to be Vicar Amelia. That's fine. <laughs> I d- so th- 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 this is tough, right? Because, you know, I'm not that big of a hater on ROM. I, I like the Miko Lash fight a lot. Um, some of these big fights that I see as being, you know, kind of complained about at large, uh, they kind of landed for me, or at least I can appreciate their flaws in light of the things that they add on top of it. And Amelia might as well just be a stand-in for the cleric beast or for Ludwig or Lawrence, um, any of these beast fights, um, Parl, I, I don't, I don't think end up working because of that visual clutter kind of stuff. And I know that that tends to irritate people when we say it, but like, I cannot read them. And I think they're far too aggressive, far too shock and awe. Um, and specifically with the cleric beast being semi-optional, but you don't know that. And with Vicar Amelia, um, being this choking point, for, you know, uh, every single playthrough, or at least, mm-hmm. you know, like you you have to go through her and you have to experience what it's like to fight a gigantic beast that can't fit on your camera in a in, in, in Bloodborne. Um, I think that that is a place where just in general, the entire game is not on its best foot. Um, and I understand that that's ridiculous because that is the foot that it leads with. And it is the foot that they fake you out with is that you are fighting these gigantic beasts, you know, that mm-hmm. these beasts what once were men, you know. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that, I think that Amelia stands out among those because she is mandatory and because of the healing, um, kind of factor mm-hmm. to it, even in the face of the huge lore implications that happen around her. Um, I think that like, she sticks out as like being emblematic of something that I really wish was better about this, which was the beast fights. Yeah, I can see that. I can see how that's a, a problem there. I guess for me, a lot of it was whenever I. Uh, I'm about to fight Vicar Amelia. I'm kind of like excited. Oh yeah. Which, which is a little weird. Like it's not always that situation with various bosses, but, uh, with Amelia, for some reason, I'm always just like, yes, this is, this is where I'm going to feel super cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to feel awesome doing this. So, yeah. she, and, and you know, she, she, she's a gatekeeper for a lot of cool stuff in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and, and given that like chalice engines are their own, uh, kind of quarantined area. Yes. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's like yeah. defiled, defiled watchdog, defiled Dominic dollar are very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I'm going to say ROM, um, not just because of, def- you know, uh, Chalice ROM, which I think is worse, but I'm going to say ROM. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, I feel like most, like the common thread of people, and I'm not saying this because uh, I know you don't really have a problem with ROM Cole, and I'm not saying this is because of, of, of that. I'm just saying that like a lot of people I've talked to, who had a really good time with ROM, it reminds me of the three hunters thing where it's like, they just kind of had like an easy time with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's not like they, they're not, they're not things about it that they like so much. It just kind of turned out to be frictionless, mm. you know? And like the actual, like there are elements of the fight. I feel like are indefensible, you know, like even the people who I know who like it, like, I don't think they like the like sky meteors that are incredibly hard to dodge and he can just kind of do Mm-hmm. You know, like that's not a cool attack. That's not a good, like a well-designed attack. Like maybe it didn't, ha- it didn't have that big of an effect. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's, that's perfectly valid. Like play experience is valid, of course, you know, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's, I haven't read a, a cogent defense of the actual mechanics of that boss fight. Hmm. You know, the, um, the way it's, I get what it's going for this kind of keep away thing. Like Rom doesn't want you next to him. 
So mm. he's going to do things to stop you from being next to him. Uh, but it is where that uh, uh, the way that damage can kind of stack up. You know, like if any, if you get tagged with anything and another spider anywhere in your periphery happen to do one of those dive bombs, that's a death. Yeah. Like a hundred times out of a hundred. Um, if you, he doesn't do that sky meteor thing when you're close, uh, but he can start it when you're far away and then it can cut, it can proc when you are close. So if you use that to kind of run in, um, or if you happen to be moving to dodge, you get closer when that interacts with the spiders, that's a death. Um, that yeah. does, you know. 60% of your health and a spider can stun, stun you or do that dive bomb, which does so much of your health um, there. Clearing out the spiders is tedious. Ignoring the spiders is fine, but risky. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it just like, you know, the times I won uh, against Rom, it always just felt like, oh, that time the spiders just happened to hung, hang back and it was chance. Like, I never feel like I learned it. I always just felt like those set of circumstances that result resulted in like an instant death just didn't happen to happen yeah. through die rolls, you mm-hmm. know, and his attacks that, that he does when you get close to him as well are not particularly fun because they're not like really dodge them. Like he has that AOE next to him. He has the thing that he shoots the ice spikes out of the ground. Um, you can dodge the ice spikes. But he only does that at mid range. He doesn't do it when you're close and you have to be close. Like, one mm-hmm. of the most heartbreaking things about this is I went in with the bow blade thinking like, oh, I'm going to be able to fight Rom really easily because mm-hmm. I don't have to get close to him. He pivots on this perfect pin mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. his face facing you all the time. He doesn't have to move. He just kind of, you know, circles around. So he's always armored Yeah. Um, from a ranged attack, which makes, you know, as a fuck you to any other attempt at another kind of build. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I couldn't buff my weapon, so I couldn't do lightning damage, which is his big weakness because the Tantris like chews him up. Um, you know, I don't want there to be like, well, just use Kukri's, mm-hmm. you know, just use Kukri's is never a good answer to a fight. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. there's a, um, and that's what it feels like to me is like the times I beat it, I was just lucked out and some bad things didn't happen. And then, uh, the key, like one of the keys to make it easier is something that I don't want to have be the only key to making it easier. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wouldn't say I only liked it because it was frictionless, because it definitely wasn't frictionless. Um, I think that it, there definitely was a die roll um, kind of element to that, or an RNG. Like you know, like you said, sometimes you just get lucky. That good experience let me actually like fixate and you know fixate and really notice the two things that really worked about it for me, which were um, kind of the football element of dodging around those um, uh, miniature spiders and um, the arena as well i think that the arena that you fight in is a huge credit to that fight in a way that doesn't you know both of those things being cool and things that i appreciate they do not obviate those those problems that you brought up gary like those are still really really huge issues and like the the arena the 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 meteor down from the top is 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 not defensible i don't think like the the thing about the arena that's interesting is that like the arena is the only way that that fight works Mm -hmm. and then when they do that in the chalice dungeon it's excruciating yeah because then mm-hmm. you have a limited play space and you have things you can get caught up on and it just sucks. Yep. Like they had to make that arena a huge featureless plane, like pretty much like the four Kings arena, mm-hmm. uh, because anything else wouldn't work. Right. You know, like it, it just feels like there's just not a, like, I don't like the idea to it. I think that there's ways to do the good parts that you're talking about that kind of like dodging through the spiders, mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I almost wish that like, you know, one one element had been told, like if you could fight the spiders from the front, mm-hmm. 
you know, so I could I could go mm. in there. And I didn't each one didn't have to be this kind of careful circle around to kill it if it was in my way. Yeah. yeah. Or if it didn't have that dive attack that breaks your lock on and goes off the camera. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's you know? that's fucking terrible. Like there's just those little elements like that that I just think are just like this is just really bad design. It just gets in the way. Yeah. And it sucks because I love it so much from a lore perspective. I love the cutscene afterwards. It's the fulcrum from which the game turns weird uh in a total way like it's great in everything except for the fight yeah mm-hmm. and it bums me out because even from the you know you, they start hinting at the spider really early on and i'm like yes <laughs> like that sounds cool like i want that so bad uh and then turns out to be something i don't i don't like the experience of on you know four four plays of it you know revisiting several times it's also worth noting that they added like npc hunters to things for when you're having difficulty and uh the npc hunter for it is pretty useless he just casts yep. spells at rom's helmet yep no good so, i got through it this yep. time by summoning uh the two confederates you can get for it hmm. and and they both got spidered really hard really fast <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm just against a stronger ROM now. Great." It, it's Great. really common. I, I mean, this is a repeated point that I talked about in the actual episode, but like, Bloodborne doesn't give you a way to defend against things you can't, you don't know are there. Right. Mm-hmm. In Dark Souls, I can hold up my shield, and if something attacks me from like a pretty wide angle, it'll bounce off my shield. Mm-hmm. Here, like, it's like the the fight would work from an overhead perspective. Yeah. Like perfectly. Yeah. So. Um, so, uh, what are, uh, Stuart, go ahead and what are your, what are your three things? And these can be moments, NPCs, um, elements, tones, atmospheres, very general, um, that you think are, are absolute tops in Bloodborne. Uh, the very opening, uh, when you, when you walk down into the first floor of Yosefka's clinic and you see that beast chowing down, uh, that was terrifying for me in my first (laughs) time. And it was so good. And it's it's that kind of unrelenting, painful tutorial where it's like, no, no, come on, do something hard. <laughs> you, this is no uh, things betwixt. You gotta, like, mm. you gotta, you gotta really prove yourself here. And <laughs> it was such a good introduction to the game, and just such a flavorful opening to it. The the lighting on the area is perfect. The atmosphere is so good because it's medical and scary and. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I love that moment so much. The fact that it's just a spooky abandoned hospital, um, mm-hmm. like you know, Victorian World War World War One era hospital. Um, mm. Big thumbs up on that. And th- and that your character just woke up from this sort of three part insane dream because you've got this. Okay, so some guy gave me some blood, and also here's a giant fire and blood monster or something. Maybe it died, <laughs> and oh, what are these tiny little white things? And then the game's like, go, <laughs> and you just mm-hmm. have to kind of go and figure stuff out so everything has that extra weight to it and i'm really glad they didn't start you off uh fighting one of the generic yarnamites or something like that yeah who you know if you if you had any um experience with the series coming in you might have been able to actually just beat to death with your hands which would have been such a such an early anti-climax yeah game. what well, let's do let's do all three of them yeah in, sure. in each go um no. My second one is uh, I love Annalise's punishment. I think in a game where they reference sight all the time, uh, locking her in an invisible tower and putting a mask with a blindfold on her is really flavorful and really cool. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I I like that. They're like, well, we can't kill you. So we're going to (laughs) make you disappear. And and this is a really in flavor and thematic way to make that happen. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. She's surrounded um, by statues of, of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, she's, and, she has and, a court of statues. And the tower itself and like 
I, I tend to play this game as though I am like a lost child of Kanehurst mm-hmm. coming home because I, I love that that aesthetic and that story so much. And I know it's it's a bit out of the it's a bit outside of the story of the rest of the game, but I just so good, so yeah. good in there. We're going to be coming back to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, my last one is I really think that the dialogue in this game is probably the strongest it is uh, thematically in the games mm-hmm. uh, because I find it really interesting how uh, people talk about blood and talk about sight as being important things like what you see, but almost every character refers to you by your smell. Yeah. Mm. So like mm-hmm. they, they call you moon scented hunter and stuff like that. And there's only one character I found in the dialogue who actually uh, refers to you by sight and it's original OG Yosefka. <laughs> um, and she, she says she hopes she can see you when the sun rises and the hunt is over, which uh, she doesn't get that far. So <laughs> unfortunate for her. But yeah, I think that the, the dialogue has a lot of great subtleties to it that, I mean, in a game that is generally pretty sparse with dialogue, uh, the economy of it is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And, yeah. With, with you on that, what do you, what do you got for number three? Oh, that was my number three. Sorry. I was, uh, the dialogue and, oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. and the opening clinic. Yes. Yeah. 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 Sorry about that. Yeah, those are those are. I mean, I'm, I'm with you on those. those I are mean, all I, three could, things that I, I love. could do a four and a five and a six. There's a lot of good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll do mine. I can rattle through them real quick. The mobile when you find the real workshop, kind of mm-hmm. hidden away um, oh, yeah. in that uh, grain silo. Um, I just love how that plays into the dream aspect of this. How mm-hmm. the architecture and scenery in the dreams is, you know, based on our experience, but also in this in this case, it is informed by. Um, you know, Garman's own experience as a hunter and uh, the things that he wanted to surround himself in in his purgatory. Uh, finding that and realizing that my hub is based on this real kind of dilapidated, diminished place in real life is great. Um, and a sub point of this would be at the very end game when the when the workshop is on fire mm-hmm. as uh, as just this wonderful, striking piece of imagery to let you know that even your, uh, your home base uh, is sick and degraded. Um, and it is time, it's about time to go, uh, is, is wonderful. So everything related to the workshop, I think would be, mm-hmm. would be one of those. Um, number two would be, uh, being abducted for the first time. Again, mm-hmm. uh, we talked mm-hmm. about that in the, in the kind of the opening meander there, um, about how that is probably the best, uh, usage of teleporting. Um, and also the best usage of a death, you know, you got a little bit of that in dark souls one. Uh, when you died to see for the first time and you woke up in the in the tower and how how did that happen um mm-hmm. here you know dying to the strange enemy that was not there before um and then instead of just waking up at the last lamp but going into this cutscene where you are in this entirely new very hostile area that you're you know probably not leveled for um is this wonderful um moment of mystery you know and i think that like my, my my phrasing for this background at the time was like, oh, God, it feels like the back of my head has just, like, opened up. Like, what else weird is going to happen in this game? Um, and I think that that is just a, a really tops moment for me. Even if the real version of Yahar Ghul ends up being kind of a bummer, that first visit and the way you get there um, is, I think, masterful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Okay. And that's also that area where that uh, that soundtrack comes in, and it's subtle, but it's like a, 
I've listened to the soundtrack for this game a bunch of times, and that one is so spooky and so perfect <laughs> for that, and hints at that kind of like um, hints a bit at the flavor the game is going to end up going for. Mm-hmm. But it's oh, oh <laughs> yes, it's good. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> um, and my final one is the ending of Alfred's quest line. Oh, phew. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you're going to snake my snake my points. <laughs> No. You did not. So cool, cool. Uh, okay. no, the ending of Alfred's quest line. Alfred being the uh, the solid bro uh, who has given you so much information and has been upfront about his quest. You know to go after these cursed vile bloods. The vials in the name. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yes. And then you find out that not only is he formerly vile dentistry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> not only is he, you know, just as bloodthirsty as everybody else. He's kind of worse. Because you find him, you find him in this just degraded, you know, sense of bloodlust that he's at. And having done this existential violence, grinding somebody who can never die into a paste. Like, I don't know, like, just that that single moment sells a lot of the terror around this entire game uh, for me in a way that, like, makes that stack up with a lot of the best NPC moments across the series. Yeah, Alfred is great, and I love the way that he interacts with the with uh, with Annalise. Yeah, it's also that also really stands out because it's pretty much the only uh, one of those other that like you know that isn't that's quarantined from bosses and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because Eileen is fine. Mm-hmm. You know the um the uh, the guy with the the minigun hunter uh, is fine. You know, there's lots of things like that that are fine. He's mm-hmm. that's actually like really, really, really dramatic and strong in a in a game that lacks that yes you know pretty hard so it stands out a lot that would have been one of mine but you didn't snake my my other one which (laughs) uh which i was worried about um finding the uh second visit to yosefka's clinic um finding out the fate of yosefka and what's going on there um you know going the reverse way through her corpse shoot (laughs) um and finding out that this one character who if you're not paying attention, um, you know, feels like a like a lone kind of voice of benevolence in this really hostile world and finding out uh, that's not the case. And then so that anyway, that articulates. So if you come back early um, and she, she wants to fight you and you find out that she's making these these aliens, essentially, or if you come back late and she is on doggy style uh, going through contractions. Yeah. Um, is one of the most like weird and haunting moments. Uh, in this game and does everything that you want from that, like revisiting an earlier area feeling kind of recontextualizing yeah. uh, things. And that whole grander mechanic, like the sending people back to either the church or to Yosefka mm-hmm. thing actually really works. And I think is a cool kind of twist on the whole uh, yurt um, NPC yeah, uh, dynamic yeah. from demon souls, like that kind of hostile thing. Um, it's a little bit rough, but none of the NPCs are really that valuable to you. So if you lose one, <laughs> it can just be a narr- cool narrative moment. It's not like you're killing your fucking like, oh, like this is the person who sells me spells and now, <laughs> now they're dead. You know, like, well, yeah. that sucks. Reset. <laughs> they learned um, some moderation. <laughs> yeah, they learned, you know, so it, it, it works. It works uh, in feeling and selling the player, but doesn't mechanically uh, cripple you. When you've got your so much. character, too. Yeah. And the the be- the beggar in the yeah. uh, forsaken woods and sending him here yurting the yurt is <laughs> yeah. I feel that feels so great. Hunt, 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 give give giving him the old double reverse yurt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> y'all got, y'all got yurted. <laughs> Go yurt. Um, 
Go go, you're on the go. Um, the uh, so that uh, that's a a big one. Um, this is a this is so obvious, but the the first time. Uh, so I guess they they all tie these in together. The first time you get yanked up by an invisible amygdala, and then when you later find out what they are, and you see all of them. Mm-hmm. Going back to the city and having it crawling with non generally non harmful eldritch monstrosities. Yeah. Um, and it's an area that like the the kind of sameness and the amount of time you spend backtracking and going through that hub really is effective because it feels like a space you know like the back of your hand. Mm-hmm. Um and now, you know, that happens, your insight is higher, so like, you know, the uh the tall church guys are carrying eyeball lamps mm-hmm. now, and things are are subtly different, and then they get hugely different. Yeah. And it's just such a striking image of like, and you know, and again, in that invasion and it makes me yeah. wish that the nightmare frontier had a little bit more of that sense of like two worlds bleeding into each other, yeah. because that's what this does. Just that moment of reveal, like where it's not directly stated, like there's no way of knowing, but this is the way it always was. You can just now see it because of the moon yes. or because of your insight, like, Hey, it's have from fun. Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's explicitly from beyond. Yep. So it's, these yeah. things are all there. You just didn't have the the Tillinghast wave generator to stimulate <laughs> your pituitary gland to make you see it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you remember um, back when this game was uh, just coming out, Vati had a preview of it where he was running around a bit in Yarnum, and he like glances to the side and sees an amygdala on top of a building way in the distance, <laughs> but he can't tell he can't tell what it is. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, oh, man, that's some giant spider or something. And so when I was going through this game, I was like, oh, man, this giant spider's going to show up at some point. And, you know, <laughs> they keep mentioning the spider. And then when these guys showed up, it was just such a an amazing sort of mindfuck moment. Yeah, that was so good. Yeah, I, I didn't see that. I tend not to watch preview stuff like I, yeah. you know, with two, I wanted to come into these clean. Um, mm-hmm. But that is awesome. Like the idea that it, it almost is stronger, like if you don't. You know, you think you know there's something there, but you don't know what it is. Then you find out mm-hmm. exactly what it is. Yeah, um, yeah. I, lo- I love the way those articulate. I love the way that amygdalas work as a feature of the world and decoration way more than I like how they work as a boss fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, uh, Mikkel Ash's dialogue uh, yes. during the fight and when he dies. Um, his, you know, we talked about this at length with uh, with Scott Benson and, and David Plavis on that episode. But like, yeah, yeah. the heartbreak. And that kind of uh, it's one of the best like depictions in a visual medium of insanity mm-hmm. to me, um, like a Lovecraftian insanity explicitly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just him being so like he's heartbroken, you know, like it's not he's not murderous. He's not full of rage. Like it's literally you broke his heart by doing this to it. And it's such a powerful performance. It's one of my favorite Souls game performances like vocally. Yeah, I'll cut that in. I'll cut in his dying line here because that is yeah. worth doing. Now I'm waking up. Oh, forget everything. It's really good. Um, that that is a moment that that stuck with me, for sure. I just super um, expected to hear the dialogue right now <laughs> because you mentioned cutting it in. I was like, oh, cool. We're not cutting oh, into your brain. Yeah. Um, like, the memory leak isn't I'm, here. I'm, I'm too. I'm powers. too lazy to set up a soundboard ahead of time. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and finally let's, uh, let's do some, some bloodborne, some blood bummers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stuart, uh, trying to get Maria's weapon Ooh. Oh in the, shit! in the DLC. That place is, is Kentucky fried nonsense. It's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> that, that is a hateful fucking encounter. <laughs> can, yeah, well, can, it, can you remind it, me what that is? 
So it's it's the tunnel that is first off full of winter lanterns. Okay. There's two of them in there, I think. Mm-hmm. And then it leads into the area where there's two giant fishmen. Oh, and one oh of, yeah. The fishogers. And yeah, and the one one of them that you just start fighting, it's like everything's okay, and then the other one drops from the goddamn ceiling. <laughs> now I know yeah. what you're talking about. I get in the Rocky, yeah. And and I I have no uh, no pride in this. I I cheese the crap out of them every time, every time. Hey man, catch as catch can. <laughs> yeah, never ever ever going to to fight that le- uh, legit because <laughs> that's it's ridiculous, and it's for. It's it's part of the problem with the DLC where it is a pretty late game area, but like I might want to do a build with these weapons, and I kind of have to start on that early. Yeah. Mm. So, and I mean, it's a neat weapon, and it's a great and like I like the fishing hamlet overall, but those that encounter is just the worst. Very bad. Um, what what is your uh, your second bummer? Yeah. So my other one is is probably those three hunters in Yahargul, and mm. I I just fought them yesterday. And it was awful. And I, I I beat them on my first try. And it's not about like getting good or it being too hard or anything. It's just it's just not fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little guy with the claws just always dodges around you, trying to keep you out of um, to keep you focused on him while the other guy's blasting a cannon at you. And it's it's just too much from too many angles in a way that isn't interesting. It's just sort. It's it's got that kind of uh, roll of the dice quality that Rom had for you, Gary, because like if I have my back turned on a guy and he hits me with a cannon, I am dead. And there's no way in heck I'm getting out of that. So mm-hmm. that moment is just awful. Yeah. Yeah. Like having a character with a cannon can be kind of interesting because it's a very high consequence. Like, you know, it kind of goes slow, yeah. it has a wind up. But you can't be expected to keep your eye on that while you fight two other fuckers. I, I think <laughs> like, I remember I was I was listening to Abject Suffering at the same time, and you guys had just covered Circus Charlie. <laughs> and when I went through there, I was like, "Oh, this is what Circus Charlies are." I, get it now. <laughs> I just yeah. that just that just worked perfectly for it for me. <laughs> yeah, anyway. it's a really really bad encounter, and I have yeah. no idea how it got in the game. No, yeah. uh, and also like one of the main goals in going to Yahargul the first time is to uh, you know. Open up that shortcut so you don't have to run past them and aggro them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, after after I tracked myself with them that first time, it's like, nope, I'm never going to do this again. So mm. it, it sucks though. They have an insanely large leash. So this time I was trying not to fight them and run past them, and they follow you for a long time yeah. into okay. the fucking death streets full of the corpse yeah. cards, <laughs> you know. So it's not like you can like run or there's anywhere to run. You mm-hmm. know? It is uh it is insanely yeah. uh, insanely intense. Yeah. There. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work on, I, I feel like Cole's going to say both of mine. So I just want to, I'm going to work on. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're just fighting over scraps. I've got backups. Did, don't worry. But just, just know that I want to let you go, but just know that, uh, assuming you, you know, the ones you say are the ones I think you're going to, that I support you 100%. Yes. So. <laughs> um, first and foremost, man, that blood vial system. Oh, uh, 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 <laughs> it's the worst thing about this game. Oh my it's, God. How many times I ran through a uh, Hemlock Charnel lane, uh, from the from the witch's abode just to get them to drop and then spending levels and levels worth of uh, blood echoes to get mm. blood vials and the fact that they get more expensive as they go ah, yeah <laughs> like i can I, I can see what they were trying to do which is hey you have an ability to in the heat of the moment uh recover this health 
you know, using the regain system. But as we talked about, that gets slowly chipped away and eroded. Um, <laughs> so, like, I could understand them maybe saying, oh, rely on this other system as opposed to just a constant reliable stream of, you know, respawning or replenishing healing items. But uh, that stream of replenishing healing items is one of the things about uh, that that is successful about Dark Souls and that all of the successful Souls likes have taken. So what this meant was every couple of hours, I would have to go do a chore um, to mm -hmm. stock up a couple hundred of these so I could go about just fighting bosses. It, it definitely doesn't improve on replay either. Nope. Like if you're doing it the second time, like the first time I had to do it, I was like, oh, this sucks, but it's probably because I'm bad at it. And then when I went back on this replay and had to go grind, I was like, dude, like I'm a grown ass fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you're really like, going to ask 36 year old fucking me to do this? Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like I, it is, it is bad. <laughs> um, and yeah, and a lot of people will say like, oh, like they made it so you can, you can store 999. That just means you can grind yep. in bigger chunks. <laughs> It doesn't mean you have to grind less, though. It just yeah. means you can get more of it out of the way. So if you feel like literally killing a fucking Saturday, yep, like you could you could take care of this problem. But like this flaw is not worth a Saturday. No, you no. know, yeah. And it's a Souls game. You're going to take damage. I don't care how much you want to get good me on the back of this. No, you're going to take damage, and you're going to want to recover it. <laughs> like this is a problem that everybody is going to run into, and farming is just a way to get around constantly scraping by and guttering you know with less than a full stock it is it, it is unacceptable and i think inexcusable it's got yeah. this weird paradox to it as well where if you're really good at the game early parts of the game you're not going to even have as big of a stock of blood vials later because you haven't gone through uh the streets of yarnum that many times where they drop them like crazy or something yeah. like that mm -hmm. and it's just you're right uh, you're, you're you're totally right because it ends up being as you go through yarnum a bunch of times it's like you use blood vials, but if you if you're bad at it, you're doing like four steps forward, two steps back. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you know, they drop them like crazy, and you use a couple of them every time, but you're still making gains. And yeah. if like this last time I went through it, like the streets of Yarnum were not a big deal, so like I didn't have the stockpile. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just like that that sinking feeling the first time you die and respawn and you have less than full. <laughs> why are those oh, numbers yeah. white? Why, why are those the, numbers why is there white? Eleven. Like, <laughs> eleven. Eleven. You know. Like, <laughs> I thought the good times would never end. Yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> um, and my second blood bummer is the relative dearth of good NPCs. Um, hmm. So I think that they're, they're definitely there. Like we said, Eileen Alfred is a real standout. Um, and there are good moments. Uh, there's some very good dialogue in this. But, like, this is something that I'm feeling, you know, that that, that I have felt very sorely um since dark souls 2 but it is definitely it definitely feels very sore here because they had a chance to restart with good npc quest lines that would support um you know that or that were supported by the theme and the uh the theme and the aesthetic um but they just kind of didn't um yeah which is which is a real bummer for me it feels like a missed opportunity especially because this world does feel so lived in um and so so vibrant um, and to not have that really bear out is a real bummer for me. And there's a whole stock of like Lovecraftian NPCs that have been really cool. Yep. You know, kind of tropes. Yeah. I think would have really, really helped that. So I'm, I'm glad you didn't take my, my other one. Yeah. Um, so, uh, health files would have been mine, but I had a backup. 
Um, number one is obviously chalices. Yep. Um, yep. For for reasons that we went out at length, like we don't need to do like a whole like let's just slot in the entire like <laughs> four and a half hours we spent on chalices right yep. and make everybody mad again. <laughs> yeah. I, like it's I I still everything I I I not like them more. Yep. Nothing has changed. I still think they they are are bad. And the only people who like them like it's either you go real real deep into the random ones and. Every once in a while, you get something weird, like a boss wandering around outside the level, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, but you have to put in a lot of work for it. Um, Yarnum is a great boss fight, like, but you have to put in. It's just not worth what you have to put in for it, right? You know, and and that's how I feel about chalices in general. And like, you know, it's it's just not worth it. I'm happy they um, didn't pursue that in Dark Souls Three. Oh, thank God! <laughs> yeah, is it just it? Would it just it? It seemed extremely bad. I was so excited for it. I wanted Souls Binding of Isaac. Yep. And it turned out I don't want that. You know, like the, the finiteness is a strength. That's something I want from this game. Um, Lydidai kind of taught me that too. You know, like these these kind of games, like I want, it's incompatible to, to me with like a roguelike unlimited yep. structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I'm going to say is, is, and this is really obvious, but it, lack of build variety. Yep. Um, kills a lot for this game on replay. Like, um, Dark Souls three, like I played three times, uh, and never want to touch it again. Bloodborne, I still feel really good about it, but this fourth time I went through, it might be the last time for a really long time because yeah. every playthrough ends up being roughly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when the, when the game gets kind of like harsh in level design, I don't have that kind of like the end game, you know, it, it, when it gets a little bit like harder, but then also a little bit more hostile and a little bit worse up until the DLC, I think. Um, I don't have like a, a large variety to carry me forward. It's not like, you know, there's none of that feeling of like the first time I played through Dark Souls one as a sorcerer. And I was like, this feels entirely different. Bosses that were easy are now hard. Bosses that were hard were now easy. Like <laughs> this feels like a whole new game. Um, I think emphasizing that variety can give you a lot of kind of replay value and and make your game a lot richer. And that's not a value that Bloodborne has. Right. Um, it just doesn't want to do that. And the the slight the the kind of feints towards that uh, end up actually being detrimental because it would almost be better if there weren't spells at all. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're meant to be these little like, oh, you just kind of use this to complement your melee style because everyone's a melee player. Um, they're not even worth the investment. Like it makes your melee significantly worse for like almost no gains mm-hmm. um, without kind of, you know, greater, you know, more um, kind of min maxing than I want to do. So, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that bums me out. It, it just makes it what it makes it. This is one of my favorite. Like, I love this game. Yep. Like, I love this game. This is really high up there in like my, my souls rankings. Like it's, you know, it's tied for two, if not two, you know, mm-hmm. with like, probably with like demon souls. Like now that I'm sitting on it for a little while, mm-hmm. um, I love it. Yeah. Uh, but it, I don't, it's, I can't, I don't want to replay it again and again and again, just because every time is going to be the same. Yeah. And I'm, I've yeah. never been a new game plus guy. I'm always like try a new build guy. Yeah. You know? No disagreement here. Can I so. throw in one last thing, actually, that I found a bit of a bummer? Yeah. I, I was so excited for it. Insight. But I thought uh, you guys had one fireside chat. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. Why do you say okay? Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, Elaborate on that nice. a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm wearing my traps versus, or just traps and snakes shirt right now. <laughs> oh, thank uh, you. No, so insight, like, I thought had a lot of promise and is thematically appropriate, but it's just bad. Yeah. Like it just, it just, the positive things it does are just not strong enough in comparison to like frenzy being a thing, Mm -hmm. Mm. something like that. So I just wanted to toss that in as well because. Didn't even talk about frenzy this whole time. 
The, uh, <laughs> that, 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 that was one of mine, but I, I, I swapped it out for, uh, for NPCs because I, uh, I thought somebody else was going to take it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's a, it's a, it was on my backup too, but just know it's not very good. The, um, I, I agree with you about that insight thing, but the interesting thing is the way they try to make you make insight worthwhile, um, is by turning it into a currency, which makes it like an economy, but they're the things that you buy with it are not worth buying really you know, it turned out to be the problem for me. Like I had all this insight, I had an incentive to spend it. So I would be safe against uh frenzy, but the things I bought it were like, you know, if you're a completionist, if you just want to own all the armor to own all the armor, like great. But mm-hmm. I got, you know, my fashion souls kind of unlocked pretty early in, in bloodborne. Like I liked my outfit, you know, I didn't, you know, I don't, I'm not a collector in these games. Like I don't feel the need to own everything. So if you don't, you know, it could have been an interesting thing, which like you get kind of exposure to these dark secrets, but you can, spend it for clothes which i guess isn't not particularly like lovecraftian or thematically (laughs) sound um but yeah i I agree that the potential is not quite realized and and like in that lovecraftian flavor like you don't you can't spend your lovecraftian knowledge it is purposefully harmful to you it's Mm -hmm. it's a bad thing and having this shop there is just like oh the thing i should do as a player is like spend all the insight i can yeah and because like everything it adds to the game just screws me over. Whereas I, th- I think they could have done a lot more interesting stuff. Like, um, and I mean, it would have been a lot of work on From's part. I'm not trying to say that like you know deadlines are a thing, but having a lot more um, thresholds of change with your insight level, I think would have would have helped the flavor of the game a lot, and would have would have made that mechanic a lot more worthwhile. Yeah, I agree. When it, when it shows up, I think it's very cool. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, like this, this pig is just made of eyeballs now. Like, I think that's very <laughs> yeah. cool. It doesn't come up enough. Yeah, so I, I agree. Uh, that's what we got in the notes um this has been like i think this has been pretty fun yeah. I, I hope that people enjoyed listening to it Stuart, did you was this fun did you have fun yeah yeah mm-hmm. I, i've had a good time you know uh being nervous notwithstanding <laughs> uh hoping, hoping to do bon- uh, right by the listeners by yeah. bonfireside chat you've done great. Um, oh you did great <laughs> well thank you i re- i really appreciate being on i mean i know you know i kind of paid for the privilege but thank you for letting me pay for the privilege <laughs> i was gonna say it's ridiculous that you're thanking us uh, yeah. no i mean yeah. like when, when i when i saw that tear on your patreon i was like oh i'm getting that and i like snapped it up immediately and yeah. oh man yeah in, and this in, has been really cool in a very real way like we wouldn't be able to do the the show as well or completely as we do without like that support i know we say that a lot and it's cliche but it's definitely true um where the uh, uh you know that's uh it takes a lot of time, you know, yeah. to, to do to do what we do, and uh, mm-hmm. we have to be able to justify spending that time rather than going out and getting getting real jobs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, you know that's not that's not fair. Cole has a real job. 
Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, allows us to spend, you know, more than, more than a full-time job yeah. uh, on pod stuff, um, which is, uh, I'm really happy to do it. I'm very lucky. And it's because of support from people like you, Stuart. I really yeah. do appreciate it. Yeah. Um, we, uh, and, and I'm saying this, like we're saying bye to you. We still have more to record, yeah. um, which will come out next week. Um, so this is what these look like for everyone listening. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thanks again for just kind of the general, uh, being on board with us yeah. um, for this. And we have, uh, you know, your, your responses, uh, people who, uh, kind of are submitting prompts. So next week we'll have the first of those, yep. um, bonfire said chat after dark episodes, and then, uh, three more of these revisits, uh, for the end of the show. Um, I feel like that's, that's majority, the majority of the business about these. Um, thank you so much to everybody who has supported us. Uh, if you want to continue doing that, um, yes, we have the Patreon and we have, um, redesigned that, uh, I think by the time this comes out or between this episode and the next one, uh, that will have taken effect. Go to, uh, patreon.com slash TV to see the new things that are on offer. We're very excited about that. Um, we, we we think there's some cool stuff on there, including better early access, um, extra episodes of uh, Abject Suffering, um, all of that good stuff. Um, but I think most of all, if you're listening to this and saying, I am, I like Bonfire Site Chat, but I'm sad that it's going away, please go to DuckV.TV and check out the other shows that we have on the network. Now is the time. Um, more than ever, where we want people who like Bonfire Side Chat but haven't given the other stuff a shot to give the other stuff a shot. So if you yeah. have it in you to, uh, to, to to give us the time to look at something like Watch Out for Fireballs or Abject Suffering, we would really, really appreciate it. Yeah. You, I mean, you don't you don't owe us anything. No. Like, obviously. And there are people who out there who, like, uh, they just like Dark Souls, so they're just going to like this. And that's fine. Yeah. But, you know, if, if anything, if you liked what we do, um, the one thing that you could do as a favor to us is at least check it out. Yep. You know, um, I think that there's a lot of crossover and I think that the people who, uh, who like this show will like that as well. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's my, <laughs> sorry, my artificial pancreas just is <laughs> acting up. <laughs> um, so the, um, <laughs> patreon.com slash TV. Yeah, yeah. My voice is sick. Pancreas. <laughs> and boy is sick. Can we do the pancreas milestone? Um, so I can, uh, pass my milestones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from my Chris. The, um, but yeah, we'd really appreciate that. And then, um, you know, the show is not going anywhere as far as on the feed. So ratings, reviews and everything are still very useful. Yeah. Um, so please do those things. Stuart, thank you again. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very um, much, both of you. Yeah, you're been, very welcome. This has been really cool. Yeah, I'm really glad. And it's, it's not over yet, baby. <laughs> um, so uh, until next time, Cole, what should they do? Um, they should fear the old blood. Um fucking bossa. Um bossa. Um bossa. And we all pray that we will have far more soon.